I feel ready. Scooty pop pop. Oh, so ready. I feel oh. ready and Freddy and gay. Oh, is that now? Was that my own cue to start the show? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, okay. you done did it. Hi, welcome to Nashville, CA. This is your double feature, double weekly podcast hosted by one guy in California, me, and another guy in Nashville, him. I'm, <laughs> I'm Sean, <laughs> and that laugh over there is Josh. How's it going today, bud? It's uh, going very well. I got my beard trimmed today, and she put some new conditioner in it, and my beard is so soft. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's delightful right now. Is it a bomb or is it like a conditioner? It's a conditioner. If you can believe it. Of all things. I've never figured out how to get a soft beard. It's always wiry. Yeah. I, wiry. I, I see guys with like nice, uh, you know, mine feels like it's kind of going all over the place. Like a, like a kraken below my, below my mouth. Uh, and I see guys with nice straight beards that look touchable. Not that I'm going up and like just touching their beards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going up and just asking dudes if you can feel it. Yeah. I think it's, it's the new, uh, asking a lady if you can feel her, her pregnant belly. Oh, I, even when my sisters were pregnant, I've never, I've never touched a pregnant belly and I don't want to. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's like something out of a Ridley Scott movie. It's, uh, it's magical, Sean. <laughs> also, after I said the word wiry, wiry. I, uh, I'll, I'll, have you ever seen the replacements Keanu Reeves football movie? Oh, ages ago. Yeah, there's a there's the Irish kicker or the English kicker, whatever he is, who smokes cigarettes on the field. And at one point, Gene Hackman says he's wily. And uh, so anytime I hear that word, I just think of the replacements. This is the leg. I thought you told me he was solid muscle. He's much stronger than he looks. I'm wily. Go get some kicks in. Is that, is there ever been a better character name than Shane Falco? Mm. Uh, I mean, Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah. Keanu Reeves has a lot of wonderful character names. I was going to go with Ivan Drago. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, have you ever noticed that that's one letter away from Dragon? What? Ivan Dragon. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it, does no, it? No, it actually sounds worse. I thought it was going to be cool, but even in my head as I was gearing up for it, I was like, no, this is worse. That's, that's kind of how I felt about your movie choice this week, where I was like, hey, this might be cool, and then I was gearing up for it, and then I was like, uh-oh, this is worse. Oh, no! We're flip-flopping. Last week, you were shitting on my movie choice, and I'm sorry to say this week, I'm, <laughs> we're, I'm gonna keep it fun and positive, but okay. I'm not a Toby Hooper guy. Really? Outside of Poltergeist, he's, he just doesn't hit for me. There's something 
uncomfortable about his movies that I, I, I really just have a hard time settling into them. And I know with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's the point. But it works so effectively. It's so gross and sweaty and grainy. It's too effective for its own good where I don't want to watch it. Okay. I, I think that's what makes me like it is like this one. There is um, it remind I'm very nostalgic for it. But there's also that distancing that makes it a little more dangerous than like a real carnival. As I was going through this on a rewatch, just scanning through scenes, um, I did think this would be a really fun movie for a bunch of kids at a sleepover to put on a movie like this. It just, I don't think this was a great movie to watch by myself. Uh, this is absolutely, that's absolutely how I watched it the first time. Was that a sleepover? It, at Ryan, tell me that story. Like, where were you? How old were you? Um, I was probably 12 years old. It was the same kid's house where I first watched Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Uh, wow, you had some coming-of-age experiences at this house, huh? Yes. And that was with... Uh, it was Ryan, Ryan Koblovis' house. Uh, and I distinctly remember on the night that we watched Evil Dead, uh, all the other guys... I think Mike Ritchie might have stayed with me. But all the other guys went out and were like riding dirt bikes around in the middle of the night and trying to link up with um, some girls from up the street who were also having a, a sleepover. And I st stayed back and watched horror movies. <laughs> I'm not surprised in the least. <laughs> that says also, something about my brand. Who's riding dirt bikes at night? That sounds dangerous. I mean, it's Indiana. It's the kind of thing you do. Except it's funny because me being a kid watching horror movies in the middle of the night at a sleepover was like an absolutely panic inducing idea. Mm -hmm. So I would much rather be outside dirt biking with the boys in the dark, risking injury than inside being traumatized by Evil Dead at too young of an age. <laughs> I, th I think it uh, I don't know if it was my brand then or that set my brand going forward, but it absolutely, it was like, um, my other friend's house where uh, I was introduced to Monty Python, the Sandman comics. Um, was he nice? Yes. M Mr. Python. Oh my gosh. You said you were introduced. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which one? I'm sorry, we're starting early today. <laughs> if it can be considered derailing, if you'd never got on the rails, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna do better than last week. Okay, it's always the goal: better than last week. Yes. Um. So I did. You ever have like a scary experience at a sleepover where you were like terrified watching a movie, or was this? Like you said, this was your stick. You were the horror kid after this. Um, the first time we tried to watch The Exorcist, uh, I think there were three of us. Um, I think it was me, uh, my friend who passed a couple years ago, Mark, and Anthony. Which Mark Anthony, never mind. Uh, but I once met a Dan Patrick uh -huh. combo. 
at a college party, and it, it blew my mind that they were not going by that. <laughs> it's it's our friendship name. It's like Benifer or whatever. But the first time we tried to watch The Exorcist, we didn't even get to like most of the the deep parts. We got to the portion where she's getting uh, the medical exam is happening. And they've got like the old fashioned MRI machine or whatever it is. Uh, and they run that, that tube into her neck and like blood spurts out. And we all agreed. We're like, nope. No, let's play some Nintendo. <laughs> We're done with this. Didn't even get to the demonic part. Just tapped out with modern science. Yeah. Which I still think is one of the the hardest to watch parts of that movie. I rented that movie in high school and brought it home. And my mom was like, I don't want that in my house. My Mm -hmm. mom was so traumatized from her experience watching it. I think she saw it at the theater, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, it it scared her so bad that she was like afraid of the actual DVD just being around. Very strange. I've never seen my mom react to any piece of art like that before. Um, I think I did. I know that I watched it later that weekend and I think I watched it with my mom. My mom was like a great gateway for like, she introduced me to psycho and jaws and, uh, all these other things that I, that I love. Uh, and I, I know she was the one who suggested we watch exorcist. Uh, but yeah, the dudes couldn't handle it. I think we watched it during the day, like a day or two later, maybe Sunday afternoon or something. We would have watched it. That's that's a lot safer than like midnight. Oh yeah, day watching a horror movie in daytime was the way to go for me. Or I remember one of the first horror movies I was ever able to actually sit through was Halloween H two O, and that's because I was listening to a CD while I watched. It. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I just had anytime things would get really scary, I just put earplugs in, or uh, headphones in. Mm-hmm. And would just listen to uh, at the time uh, that was probably like Third Eye Blind or Blink One Eighty Two around the late nineties. <laughs> That's uh, so you you were listening to how it's going to be and watching some slashing going on. I'm watching Josh Hartnett with his bedhead lawnmower mm. haircut yep. walk around mope around that movie. There's some actually, gnarly kills that, in that one, too. I, I was going to say, actually, I think that's a pretty good movie. Alan Arkin is uh, great. In, is it Alan Arkin? Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, he's good. I have no idea what they're going to do with this third movie, but I, the, the, the trilogy, the new Halloween trilogy. Mm-hmm. It, I was really in with 2018, and I liked the sequel in the theater. I'm worried that when I rewatch the sequel, was it Halloween Kills? I'm worried about yeah. that rewatch. The I am too. Uh, I don't. I haven't rewatched it, and I watched it at a preview screening, a packed house preview screening, and it was the kind of thing where people were hooting, hooting and hollering uh, during the kills, and it, it could be the worst movie ever. And if you get to watch it in that kind of environment, it's a, it's always a blast. For sure. I see, I, I'm weird about movies. I don't want talking, but if it's a packed event like that with hooting and hollering, 
I might be more into it, but then if people are starting to try to make one-liners during the mm. slow scenes, then I'm completely checked out again. Yeah, no, don't. That's that's a recipe. Do people for a yell bad out punchlines at showings like that? Not generally. Um, I mean, in midnight movies like uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii or whatever. I know when we watched that at the Bell Court, people were talking all the way through it but also it's not a great movie so I, I didn't mind nearly as much like that's kind of okay um people drinking a little bit and shooting their mouths off it's like eh, i think that's how the the creator intended us to watch this one well going back to halloween that's actually a really good transition to the fun house which mm-hmm. is i think the first movie we'll be talking about today it's 1981 movie directed by Toby Hooper, written by Larry Block. And uh, what do you think about, is this an homage or is this a ripoff of the start of Halloween? I like to think... We get a little, we get a POV from a little boy's perspective who Mm -hmm. walks around the house, puts on a mask, goes into the bathroom while his sister is taking a shower and... Stabs her with a rubber knife, but her boobs are there. Like, <laughs> and right off the bat, I, I don't like this exploitation. Like, I'm not really into the 80s nudity, mm-hmm. uh, sexual stuff in movies. I'm fine with it in certain contexts, and then other times I just really don't like it. And I think when sexuality and nudity are in the hands of a director a la Toby Hooper, usually not my cup of tea mm-hmm. i can definitely see that it it has a uh that fine line that brian de palma walks where you're like is he being exploitative or is he rubbing your nose in the fact that you want to see this and toby hooper definitely falls on the like no this is straight up schlock side of it like this was this is what you bought your ticket for kind of a thing uh and also i I didn't want to be the first to bring it up, but uh, now that you did, I felt really awkward looking at those boobs. This was, she's too young. I didn't like it. It was upsetting. Yeah, I have no idea how old the actress is, but seems to be a high school character. Mm-hmm. So we're assuming she's maybe 18, Hopefully. her character in the movie. Hopefully, you know, just... It it kind of starts things off icky. Yeah. But as far as like the Halloween side of it, what do you think about that? This came out what five, four or five years after Halloween was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, it absolutely feels like an homage, and the reason I think so is because once you do get into the shower, uh, you get a psycho shot of the knife like almost piercing the belly. Uh, yeah. It's the same shot as Psycho. So I think he's doing a riff. Kind of that whole extended opening is uh, just touching on those things. So that would be interesting if that was kind of like the thesis of this movie in similar way to talking about De Palma with something like um, Body Double, Mm -hmm. where that movie is kind of bookended by these thesis statements that De Palma has do you think there's anything else in this movie that follows along that line of skewering your 
what you your expectations based on previous movies by having it be a rubber knife and that kind of thing? No, I think it's mostly Toby Hooper thinking, hey, this is cool. Like, I saw that before and it was cool, so I'm going to do that too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think there's this I'll movie. Stop. Yeah. I'll, I'll stop digging. <laughs> I don't think this has a whole lot else on its mind. And uh, I wanted to bring up, like, close to the top here, uh, I got to interview the the other actress in the movie recently. Um. Uh, Liz, I think is her character name, uh, played by Largo Woodruff. Um, f- when they did the Blu-ray release, uh, they wanted me to go and shoot an interview, and she's fairly local to Nashville. So we went and rented a studio space, and I got to spend a day with her. And she is delightful. Not a lot of stories about shooting the Funhouse, uh, which is bad for the DVD or the Blu-ray, but she was great to hang out with. <laughs> right on. What, would you ask her questions about the production? It was just, I don't really remember. Yeah, and a lot of it was yeah, her being a teenager and hanging out with her friends at the time. Like, it kind of like the summer camp vibe of getting to make a movie. Uh, and everyone just chilling. And she's like, yeah, it was a fun time. And, you know, you didn't quite know uh, how it was going to turn out. And she... Uh, I think she enjoyed shooting her death scene, but said it was really intense. Not to tip your she, hand. When she, she's the girl who falls through the trap door in the floor? Yes. Okay, so jumping forward a bit to her death, this movie takes, it's like 48 minutes until the first kill. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it really stacks that back half, but it's a slow buildup, but... When we get there and the kills start happening, I was excited to see this industrial fan mm-hmm. and this location that this hallway. But I wanted a little more. I love I love an industrial fan kill. Is that was that her kill? Yes. Because it happens off screen basically. Yeah. Were to be implied that she basically gets chopped up in this thing? I th- I think so. He's like but he smashes her. He like he kills the hell out of her. He really does. Uh, and it's one of those things, the, uh, I know cozy is an R brand, but the fair stuff has that feel like when you're first walking around it, like I just went to the fair last week and that's what like made me want to watch this movie again. Um, and it just has that vibe of like, Oh, I'm going to eat some cotton candy and an elephant ear and go on the Ferris wheel, that kind of thing. And then, then it gets really gross <laughs> in this the the last half or whatever of the movie. With uh, th- there's sprinklings in there, like when they go into the uh, the oddities tent, and you see the two headed cow and all that kind of stuff. Uh, well, all right. What's up with these cows? I understand that like it connects to our antagonist mm-hmm. our monster i don't i don't know if monster is a bad thing to say about this movie i don't know but I, the cow thing the two-headed cow the cleft palate cow mm-hmm. is uh, i don't know <laughs> what's up with this part this is like that toby hooper gro- grossness that i'm talking about where i'm like i don't like this i i love horror but this is not 
the horror I'm coming to see, like freak show stuff. It feels very grindhousey, uh, in the way that they would use like like real shark footage, shark attack footage, or like inserts of I can't remember there was a movie we watched at one of our marathons recently, um that had like real war atrocities in it. And you're like, that's that's not cool. Like in the middle of this movie about like an apocalypse or something, all of a sudden there's like news footage and it's like, oh, I don't like this at all. The the three bloods hold that card very hard. Oh, does it? They show some really fucked up real images from the Vietnam War kind of hard cut flash edits into the movie. It's pretty disturbing. Well, is it the three bloods or the five bloods? I can never remember the I th- number of bloods there are. I think it's. I think there are five bloods. Because okay, three well, doesn't seem like enough bloods. The Spike Lee movie. Also, Delroy Lindo got. He should have got something for that performance. He was so good in that movie. Uh, um. Did you notice that the. Um, the cinematographer was the same guy who shot our our previous entry, Poltergeist 2? No. Yep. How, how, would I, how would I have noticed that? I don't know. It was one of those things where when his name came up, I was like, that name looks familiar. Andrew Laszlo? Yeah. Mm, Laszlo makes me think of the radio station in the Grand Theft Auto games back in the day. Oh Laszlo yeah, had the talks, the talk radio. Oh god damn it, that was so funny. Rockstar used to be so cool. Yeah, are they not cool now? Uh, they just completely focused on monetizing GTA Online and stopped actually like creating things. Mm-hmm. I know GTA Six will eventually come out, but I think they got a little self serious. Um. Do you know what else Andrew Laszlo shot? No, um, tell me. Southern Comfort. All right, that's a cool one. Fred Ward and uh, Powers Booth, I think. Uh, And a little film called Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. (gasps) Remo Williams, Fred Ward again. Uh Uh-huh. I wonder if Fred Ward was just like, listen. We shot with this kid in Southern <laughs> Comfort. We gotta use him again here. This is crazy. Like, almost all of his movies uh, I, I've heard of or seen. Uh, and he had a great run from, like, 79 up through up through 89. I'm gonna say because in 1990, he did shoot Ghost Dad. <laughs> so... What's Ghost Dad? Ghost Dad? Yeah. Uh, where Bill Cosby dies in the beginning and then like tries to parent his kids from the other side? You, you had me with the first half of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Remo Williams? I, I have not. Oh, man. We could... Uh, it's interesting because I really want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I just have a hard nostalgia for that movie. It's too long. There are some really cool stunts. But it's also super racist. 
It's got oh no, Joel, Joel Ward or Joel Gray, one Joel of Gray. the two, Joel Gray, in full on yellow face Asian makeup. He got the movie got an Oscar nomination for the yellow face makeup. It's it it hasn't aged very well, but the stunts and Fred Ward have a may have aged wonderfully. There's a really cool um, sequence where the the Statue of Liberty was under construction. They were doing some maintenance on it or whatever reason, and they actually were able to film. So they're running around on the scaffolding, uh, like around the arm of the Statue of Liberty and stuff. That's pretty cool. This, uh, I mean, this is not our cast for this movie, but the cast for Remo Williams is pretty great. Fred Ward, Joel Gray, Wilford Brimley, Kate Mulgrew of Star Trek fame. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wilfred Bramley at one point says he has this like supercomputer that's all new because like computers are new at the time. And he goes, This computer could tell me the temperature of your ass if I wanted to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what? Also, I when did he drop the A? Because I'm almost positive that in the thing, he's credited as A. Wilford Brimley. And I always like to just think of he's one of many Wilford Brimleys. They just got A. Wilford Brimley. He's not the Wilford Brimley. He's just A. Wilford Brimley. I think we've made that joke before on the show. Really? That feels very familiar. We are starting to repeat ourselves a lot, I think. I think, we're, I think we've reached capacity, kind of like when you reach the edge of the universe and you just have to start looping back around. Is that what happens at the edge of the universe? I mean, this is our 39th episode. You do the math that we probably average. Lately, we've been a little shorter, but those probably average to around three hours. Mm -hmm. So we're probably we're over 100 hours now. I don't think I have more than 100 hours of material in my brain of conversation. So we have to be in repeats. Okay, this is uh this is like uh what is it? Dark Shadows, the like 1990s version or whatever where they used the same storylines and some of the same beats as the original Dark Shadows. <laughs> it's just it's hey, it's a new show. I've never I didn't even know that existed until the Johnny Depp remake. And then I saw a trailer for the Johnny Depp remake and I'm like, "Well, I will never be watching that movie." Uh, I have, I'm not going to say that I'll never watch it, but I have yet to see it. Are you a Depp guy? I used to be. Um, I mean, especially recently, I think I've fallen off that train, but he kind of lost a lot of his charm. Yeah. Was it like doing all the sequels for Pirates? Where did he, like, what was the last one that you were really on board for? Um... I mean, that, I did like that first Pirates quite a bit. Um, all the 80s stuff was great. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything in the 80s, except for, uh, what does he get killed in? Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday, Night, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I mean, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, Private Resort, and Platoon. All... He's in Platoon? He's in Platoon. Really? Yep. 
Wow. I used to love Platoon, and that was back when I had a stomach for war movies. Even though I found it very disturbing and depressing, I still enjoyed watching it. And uh, I don't really want to watch it now. Except, I mean, I want to watch... Willem Dafoe is amazing. And I think Tom Berenger is one of the great assholes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's my other Tom Berenger movie. I think when we talked about Major League, I said this is kind of one of the only ones, but that's his other one. Oh, that's fair, yeah. Uh, I guess I was thinking of, of 90s uh, more than anything. <laughs> With starting with Crybaby and ending with Sleepy Hollow, uh, there's a lot of good stuff that he did in the I think, 90s. I think Sleepy Hollow might be on my Hooptober. I never saw it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so I went, I also went to the, the fair recently. What's your game? If do you have a circus game, a fair game that you think is like your best shot at winning? Do you have one that you? excel at um oddly enough this time i won at the uh when you got to shoot into the clown's mouth shoot the water into the clown's mouth the race yes okay i was the winner at that uh nice i I got olivia a big um uh octopus that you can turn inside out and so one side has like a mad face and the other side has a happy face Okay. It's, and he looks tie-dyed. She loves it. Um, and normally it's ski ball, but with my messed up shoulder, I can't ski right now. I can't ski a ball. Uh, but that's my favorite. How is your shoulder? Not great. It's, I can, I can, it doesn't hurt if it's down, but when I lift it up or try to put on a shirt, it's painful. So I've been wearing a lot of button ups just to get around that. What's the prognosis on it? Uh, I've got to have a surgery. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm waiting until I and get you still assistant. don't know how you did this? No, well, did we go over this that I had dislocated it like when I was like 20, playing roller hockey? Possibly, but go on. So I dislocated it when I was like 19 or 20. Playing roller hockey. <laughs> playing roller hockey. <laughs> uh, which is, yeah. Uh, okay. And then... The following year, I was working in a factory, and I dislocated again, trying to move, um, you know those big wire spools that people used to turn into coffee tables? Wiley spools. Wiley, I can't even do that, man. Feels so bad, my accent game is really off. Uh, Yes, wire spools, because I used to work with a guy, and he said, hey man, back in my meth days, those would have been a vacation spool, that's what we called those. Why a vacation spool? Because it's so much copper wire that you drive by a construction <laughs> site, you throw that in your trunk, sell it, and you can take your family on a vacation. <coughs> oh my gosh. He stole a lot of things. Uh-huh. That's, that is pretty great. Uh, but yeah, I've got to have the surgery. Um, I'm waiting until I can get uh, someone else hired at work to actually help do my typing. Uh, so. Because I'm going to be in a sling for several weeks. Oh, and voice to text does not work. Uh, I don't think it's going to be great for like business emails. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're going to get in trouble with HR yeah. <laughs> with some weird word replacement that's going to happen. Absolutely. Especially uh, since everyone else 
on my team, uh, almost everyone, French is their first language. So we already have a hard enough time communicating. Ooh la la. Um, my game is uh, balloon popping with darts. I- I'm, a, I'm a champion at it. That's the only one I can win. Really? I'm good at it. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not good at darts either, but I'm good at balloon popping darts. <laughs> uh, what about the one where you shoot the BBs at the star and you have to try to like knock out the whole star? It's horseshit. It's horseshit, man. I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten 3% of the star left, 2%, you know, it, it, it's, it's rigged. Uh-huh. There, I said it. That one is rigged. <laughs> uh, have you ever done the giant mallet test your strength thing? That's one that I feel like is such a synonymous thing in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. I've never once seen a test your strength with a mallet thing at a fair. Uh, I saw one at, at this fair. I've seen them before. This fair had one except for they had changed it to kids only. So. Uh, and it was pretty much a every kid wins a little stuffy. Wait, I did I did a kids only one when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You're making me re- go back and remember. But that's bullshit, though. Oh, absolutely. I don't like it. No, th- those kids don't deserve anything. <laughs> Speaking of kids that don't deserve anything. Oh, my gosh. This brother. The point. What's the. So the brother climbs, he follows his sister and her friends as they go off to the carnival, and he climbs down the garden trellis. Are garden trellises still a thing on the side of houses, or is this like a 80s movie staple? You always see kids sneaking out through these things. Uh, I think there's too many kids that snuck out and too many boyfriends that snuck in, so they had to get rid of them. We don't, we don't use them anymore. No, I don't see them anywhere. But what's the payoff with this brother? Because as far as I can tell, he sneaks to the carnival, wanders around for a while, hangs out outside of the the scary, the fun house, mm-hmm. the titular fun house, and then he gets caught by security, and that's it. Oh, and at one point, someone points a gun at him. Yeah. <laughs> Some random dude in a car that's points right. a gun at him. <laughs> so just, I don't get... I don't get what the point of this brother story is. No, the kid's a little jerk, although he's pretty ballsy because uh, it's after nine o'clock when they go to the carnival. The The new boyfriend doesn't pick up, uh, what's her name, Amy? Was that it? I don't know. I didn't catch much character names or anything in this one. Okay, well, he doesn't pick her up until after nine. Uh, so that's, that's so late for a carnival. I know ours closed. It closes at 10. I was, yeah, what carnival runs until like 1am. Yeah. And that's what this has to be. I was trying to like figure out the timeline on this thing and it makes no sense. <laughs> the other thing that really makes no sense is the bathroom at this carnival. Okay, yes. What? It's made out of scrap wood. Mm -hmm. It looks like they just found a bunch of pallets and particle board and just threw up the most haphazard thing. There's no way those toilets are plumbed into anything, right? 
it it looks like it has a dirt floor but porcelain sinks. I, <laughs> it's, it's very confusing. It was it boggled my mind. I made a note of it. I was like, uh, because it feels like a shack with toilets in it. But if it's like a permanent installation, wouldn't it be a nicer building? I don't know. Yeah, no, it it's like an outhouse at a summer camp. Mm-hmm. At a carnival in the middle of a town. I'm very confused by this. I was hoping maybe it was like there's a fairground, and so that stuff is fairly permanent. But it still doesn't make any sense, and it's creepy. It's creepy as hell in there. Did you notice that when they're on the merry-go-round, there's that, they're reaching for the ring Mm -hmm. to grab the ring? That's something I've never actually seen in person but I remember um, we read Catcher in the Rye in middle school or high school. And our teacher was like, oh, back in the day, there used to be a ring that you could reach for. But kids kept falling off the ride, <laughs> and so they just removed them all. <laughs> all of the traumatic head, head injuries caused them to remove the brass ring. When you ride a merry-go-round, do you have like a criteria for the animal that you choose to ride on? Um, I like it to be the weirdest one. Now, whether okay. that's that's a, a horse with a, like a strange paint job, or if it's one of those with like multi kinds of animals and stuff, I always go for like the most anomalous thing. What about you? That's a good answer. Um, I try to choose one. I don't. I that's maybe a little less chosen, but I don't go with the complete outlier. I don't go Mm -hmm. with some lame animal, but, uh, and then it's also, I don't really want to be a look at me, Louie and ride on the outer circumference. I'm okay. Riding a little bit inside, getting a little lost. Uh I don't need all those people looking at me as I have a magical time riding (laughs) this fantasy. (laughs) Uh, what about the benches? Cause there's benches on there. On a lot of them as well. I guess for the parents. That don't move? Yes. Yeah. What What lame parent is like, I can't, I can't handle, I can't handle the movement of up and down on the merry-go-round. Or if the kids are too small that they need help riding it, then you gotta hold them. Like, you should be yeah. holding them, you shouldn't, like, that little belt that they put on them doesn't do anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> that little belt. <laughs> Uh, so when we go to the freak show, is this the two-headed cow? That's clearly a prop. Do you know anything about these cows? I I don't. Th- is the cleft pellet cow a real cow? I don't think the two-headed cow is a prop. Really? Yeah. I don't. That's upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think like the, that. I think they're both real cows. Unfortunately, like. Yeah, I couldn't hang with with no. this. Um, but <laughs> I'm I'm upset by that. However, I did go to a museum in Philadelphia called the Mooter Museum, and it's f- packed with babies in jars. Okay, and I was able to hang with that. I went with. Previous guests to the show, oh, all of them, George, or no, George didn't go to that one, so just Patrick and 
Virginia. Mm -hmm. We all went to the Mütter Museum, and you start up top, and there's a big collection of skulls that's pretty cool to look at, and a completely embalmed body, and then you go downstairs, and then there's, like, bones that had different cancer and stuff, and the skeleton of a Mm -hmm. man who was seven foot seven, and then you get over to the parts where it's just, like, people, and, like, babies and heads and stuff <laughs> not really i had i had a, ma- a mask on but the entire time i was walking around my mouth was just hanging open and i just kept saying to myself over and over just what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck and uh i think i think we lasted about an hour in there and then we all had to go hang out in the garden and drink water and look at nice plants to feel better uh-huh I would imagine, yeah, uh, even listening to your description, it's like um, going to the, the body exhibit, like that thing. Yeah, that- no, it, it, it makes you question the fragility of the machines that we're all operating inside of and how absurd all of this is, these mm-hmm. blood and meat bags that we all exist in. Just we're we're just sacks of goop with little sacks of goop inside of us that, that keep us moving. Yeah, definitely. Like a gremlin cocoon of goop that we spring forth with eternal life from. Ooh, you jumping ahead a little, little bit there, but I, I don't know what that meant. Uh, so Toby Hooper. Why is there a strip show at this carnival, and why is one guy pimping out his sister and be like, turn around and give him a tease, a tease, sis? All authentic and all alive. Inside, behind that lovely tent, you're going to see some of the most beautiful girls you've ever seen in your life. Six of the most beautiful girls in the world, like my lovely sister Mona here. Mona, give him a little show. That's a girl. Open it up. That's all. That's all. Just a tease. Just a tease. Uh, I didn't... Is it his real sister, you think? I I don't know. Is that supposed to entice the crowd? That it's their bit that they're brother and sister? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like any of this. But <laughs> I'm just but I'm just curious what small town would allow this in their carnival? This seems crazy to me to have like a, a boob strip show. Well, this is the murder carnival. It was that damn carnival where those people turned up dead uh, one county over the previous year. So, clearly, these these townsfolk do not choose the best in their uh, midway entertainment. You're allowing a murder <laughs> carnival into your town. Um... That voiceover that the carny does who's standing outside of the fun house. Mm, What's mm-hmm. this actor's name? I recognize him from, uh, he's the mailman, Chevy Chase's enemy in Funny Farm. Oh, really? But he does, yeah. He does a really cool voiceover outside here where he's talking about, like, in, in the fun house, you will beg. There is no release. There is no escape. Face the challenge of the right. Who is brave enough? How about you, sir? Who is mad enough? 
to enter that world of darkness. Terrifying. Terrifying. You will scream with terror. You will beg for release. But there will be no escape. For there is no release from the funhouse. Um, Kevin Conway. Yeah, he, he played Crumb Petrie, the mailman in Funny Farm. I don't know if Funny Farm holds up at all, but it is it's just a movie that I liked as a kid. Yeah. There's a good dog in that movie. It's called Yellow Dog. Uh I even read the book of Funny Farm. There's a book? Yeah. It was is it the novelization of Funny Farm? No, it was it was based on the book. Okay. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It was like, I was like 12. Funny Farm and what's the Tom Hanks That's exactly what I was thinking. The Money Pit. The Money Pit. Yeah. Those two would go hand in hand together. Mm -hmm. The scene in The Money Pit that absolutely killed me as a kid is when he, I think he tries to turn a light on or turn the toaster on. And the electric <laughs> wire is like on fire, arcing up the wall, across the wall, into the other room, and just leaving a black trail of smoke behind it. Uh huh. And then uh, I also remember the fountain having trouble peeing. Yes. And I didn't know what a prostate was, but Tom Hanks like, you got prostate problems, huh? Uh, so I, I I learned so many things from movies, or at least I learned what. I learned of their existence, and then it would be like years later when I'd be in middle school taking anatomy class. I'd be like, oh, oh. that's that joke. Oh. Uh, I just remember the part where he falls through the floor and gets trapped in the rug, and like his wife has been calling all day and she's upset with him. And, she, and then she comes home and he's like just trapped. And I think he's whistling something. It's really ridiculous. That was a. We should. I, maybe that that feels like a February kind of movie to me. Hmm. I'm not quite sure why February, but it's like the doldrums. Hmm. Just there's not much going on. Valentine's Day is depressing. I don't know. <laughs> That's my wife's birthday. You're talking about. Val. Wait, but Valentine's Day is on a different day each year. Nope. No? Nope. February 14th, every year. I've never celebrated it. Okay. It, it, yeah. It's also a week before my mom's birthday, so it's always stuck in my brain. Uh, so, you... What Toby Hooper films have you seen that you don't like? So, we'll start with... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is good, but I don't like it, is how I would put that one. It's not, it's just not my jam at all. I, I like Leatherface, but I don't like the family. I don't like 
that whole dinner scene of just being like gross out and that guy is all sweaty with his gummy teeth and like ah, get her grandpa get her grandpa <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like oh shut up dude like oh and as i i took a note in this at one point where is it oh it's in this movie it's when i i i'll, I'll get around to it but back to your question uh <laughs> so texas chainsaw's good but i don't like it Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is one of the most abrasive and uh, bad movies I've ever seen. It, it was so annoying. And that's just, it's not funny and it's gross. And the last 30 minutes of that movie is just like a woman screaming mm-hmm. nonstop. And it's just stressful. I don't settle into his movies. And then um, I remember Body Bags being kind of shitty. I watched it because of the John Carpenter connection. Um, And that's it. I know I saw... I don't remember... He did some Masters of Horror episodes, did he not? Yes, he did. I don't recall which one he did, though. Um, oh gosh. What Toby Hooper do you like? Oh, Poltergeist. See, I like Poltergeist a lot, but that has such a Spielberg vibe, and people always talk about who really directed that movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Poltergeist is his least Toby Hooper-ish movie, in my opinion. That's. I think I like both those Texas Chainsaw movies better than you do, but the last 20 to 30 minutes of both of them, I can't stand. I don't like loud abrasive noises and those are my movies that i turn the sound way down on when i'm watching them like in in those parts just i can't handle it uh i can see that but i do love i love his salem's lot tv series he did i know previous guest dustin loves salem's lot also and uh, that's one I've never seen. That's a Stephen King I know almost nothing about except for the name. Oh, that's one of my favorite Stephen King books. Like, what's just what's the gist of it? Um, it's what if Dracula happened in America? Okay, mm-hmm. I could I could see that. Like nineteen seventies America. It started with Stephen King wondering that, uh, and then. It's either him or his wife made a joke about he'd go to New York City and get hit by a taxi cab right away. Uh, but it stuck with him, and he was like, no, what if he moved to a small town and, you know, did kind of the same Dracula shit that he does? So, yeah. Except for, in here, he's called The Master. How many episodes was it? Uh, it's just, I think it's two hour and a half long episodes. Oh, okay, so it's reasonable. It's not it's not something excessive. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh and I don't know if the version that you can find most places now is even the full uh 3 hours. I've got it on iTunes. I've got um Salem's Lot and Return to Salem's Lot, which was not directed by him, but Toby Hooper directed the episode called Dance of the Dead. 
Overprotective mother works in the family restaurant. When two couples of punks enter the restaurant, one takes an interest. Peggy makes... I don't remember this episode. At all. I have no recollection of this movie. Or of this episode. Um, he also directed The Damned Thing, which was uh, based on a short story. And I don't remember that one. I remember Dance of the Dead. Gosh, I, Sean Patrick Flannery in that. I remember... I remember him being in that, and I think I remember thinking this is a bad episode. Uh, the, uh, that show, Masters of Horror, that series was so hit or miss for me. I was going to say, to be fair, there was a lot of bad episodes. Oh, tons. Tons. I would say more bad than good, honestly. What was the... So Masters of Horror was... Uh, was it HBO or Showtime production? Showtime, Showtime. Um, yeah. did you ever see there was a around the same time they did like a a big three one of the big three uh, networks did a Masters of Horror type show yeah it was actually, I think it was after Masters of Horror got cancelled it was was it Fear Itself or something I remember Brad Anderson directed an episode where there was uh, like a cannibal in a a jail overnight locked in with like a a sheriff's deputy who then like everyone else goes home for the night and then weird shit happens uh yeah i I remember that show i i don't recall it being particularly good or bad but i watched a few episodes of it uh was the sheriff's deputy elizabeth moss What's the episode called? Um, I don't it's know. The Brad Anderson episode. Because the Brad Anderson one is about a private investigator, Eric Roberts, who comes face to face with demons of his past. Oh, then I'm thinking it must be a different movie. I got it conflated with the Stuart Gordon one. Yeah, that's got to be it. Yep. Oh, Pablo Schreiber's in it. Oh. Pablo, yeah, we'll have to get Jen on the show and watch that episode and talk about <laughs> it. Uh, what's the next note you have here for this movie after this? Um, uh, the Barker, you will scream with terror, you will beg for release. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're when they uh cut in the the cloth. To look at the uh, the nudie show, mm-hmm. I like that you can see there's a bunch of pieces of tape covering previous <laughs> eye holes that other people have cut yeah. into the cloth in previous shows. That's a great detail. Uh, this movie really reminds me. There's an episode of Malcolm in the Middle where Malcolm and his brother and his friend Stevie they go to the carnival at night and they try to stay in or they get lost or something inside and then they're like pursued by the security guard and some carnies or something like that. I I wondered if that movie was, or if that episode was an homage to this movie. Um, because later on, we'll see that the kid is wearing a Frankenstein monster mask. And that could be a reference to Frankie Muniz. Listeners, you can't, you can't see this, but I'm, I put my head down and just shook it. (laughs) 
Just <laughs> like a depressed no. <laughs> There's a part where one guy gets stuck smoking and everyone else leaves him behind. You won't know this about cigarettes, but I'd say the average cigarette lasts about four minutes. Except for American spirits. They pack so much tobacco into those damn things that you can't get a, a hard pull on it. So they just, they take so long to smoke. So I used to hang out outside bars and I went through, when I would smoke spirits, all my friends, we'd all smoke a cigarette and then everyone would finish it and go back inside and be like, well, but wait, I, I still have half a cigarette left. <laughs> so it was like the most antisocial cigarette. Is but that now they're all line? antisocial cigarettes yeah. because smoking is very out of fashion around here nowadays. There's not many left. Uh, the other day I was stuck in traffic and I saw somebody uh, literally smoking in their car with the windows rolled up. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, it's hot in Nashville, you know? Yeah, it you was. the AC on. The, the, uh, I currently don't have AC in the Volvo. Um, it conked out when I was coming back from Atlanta the other last week. No AC in the Volvo. It stays warm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's warm and damp. I'm sorry. I'm giggly and being annoying, just like her friends during the palm reading. I don't believe in palm reading. I don't believe in crystal globes, or tarot card readings. However, I do believe in being respectful and polite. And when you go into somebody's tent to request a reading like this, you should be respectful of them. And these people are being complete fucking assholes. I don't like any of the characters in this movie, by the way. I, I'm not attached to any of our quote-unquote protagonists in this. They're all kind of dicks, and... I don't really know who you're supposed to identify with because, uh, I mean, Amy is fine. She's a little flat. Um, the, her boyfriend is, is a huge creep. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that guy. He's got a cool car, but he's a huge creep. Well, I feel like if, if you're a guy in a movie in high school with a cool car, you're the jock creep. Yeah, that makes sense. He seems like the jock creep in this. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. And, and then you get the uh, Richie, the nerd guy, who he's just playing a nerd. But he's not a nerd. He's like, it's like I, I want my nerds to be nice people. Mm -hmm. But he's not a nerd. He's just an asshole who happens to wear glasses. Is he more of a an early uh, preppy? He's, he's he wears a, I don't know. a sweater around his shoulders for a chunk of the movie. I don't know that line when his girlfriend says, "Boy, when you smoke pot, I don't know who's worse, you or Charles Manson." <laughs> like what? <laughs> Who smokes pot and becomes like a Charles um, Manson? That's such a weird thing to say to someone. I don't know. So. Why is. 
why why is why is there have to be a hand job between a albino cleft palated kid in a Frankenstein monster mask and a fortune teller? Is it I mean why he just, he finishes this early. The, this is this is the grossness. This is again like just that like greasy hooperness. Or I'm just like, oh ugh. And I don't mind gross things, but there's like there's like the fly gross where it's like, ugh, this is goopy David Cronenberg. And then there's Hooper gross, which is just sleaze. This is just so sleazy, this part. This hand job and then the eventual murder here. I don't know. What do you think? The the whole bit is nasty. Like the the room they're in, the idea that they're that he's somehow skimmed a hundred bucks or whatever that he's gonna pay her for. I think sex? there's a shot. He takes it out of a a till or a register or something. He yeah. He grabs the money out of a drawer somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the, his, his head is massive. We're supposed to believe that somehow it fits inside that Frankenstein mask and looks like the size of a normal head. I don't understand that. When the mask comes off, uh, it just looks like he's wearing another mask underneath, but this mask is like (laughs) lubed up. (laughs) I did. I did think it was like, uh. A Scooby Doo double fake out where, like, they take the mask off the killer and it's like, wait a minute, that's not who he really is. And then they peel off the second mask. Have they done that trick yet in the Mission Impossible movies? Where it's like Tom Cruise as Wolf Blitzer as Simon Pegg. <laughs> uh, is, is Wolf Blitzer in the Mission Impossible movies? You haven't seen Fallout? No. I I saw Fallout in theater just because of the hype about the action scenes. And I like the action scenes, but those movies are just too self-serious. They're, I don't think they're my cup of tea. Like, the action's cool, but yeah, there's a, there's a Wolf Blitzer fake out huh. in that, in like the first ten minutes of that movie. That's actually, it's pretty good. Um, so... Handjob happens, kid comes early, embarrassed. I say kid, I have no idea how old this being is. Yeah. But uh, freaks out and strangles the woman. And then uh, dad finds out and then says, this, this was like the most Rob Zombie scene to me where I'm like, okay, Rob Zombie watched this scene where the dad tells the boy like, you better keep hitting yourself or I'm going to hit you or whatever. So the kid's like freaking out and like screaming and making noises and punching itself. And I was just like, this is such a bummer scene. And this is like every Rob Zombie movie ever is just like this vibe stretched for a hundred minutes. You're not wrong. I I can't. I don't want to be. I'm not like I. I I don't want to be like, hating on this. I'm not hating. I'm just like I I think Toby Hooper's way better than Rob Zombie. I I do. I think Rob Zombie took the worst parts of Toby Hooper 
and made that his entire shtick. So I have this weird fascination with the Rob Zombie movies where I will revisit them every so often, even though I've really only ever enjoyed two of them. And maybe some which ones? Uh, Lords of Salem. I never saw it. And uh, the Halloween two. I guess it's the director's cut with the like huge chunks of the movie are basically uh, music video. And I like that with the white with the white horse. And yes. Stuff? Yeah. I like those scenes. OK. Yeah. That stuff is cool. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. Lords of Salem. I didn't see. I liked. Devil's Rejects when it came out, but that was also when I was into Saw and like hard horror and like torture and stuff. I I haven't I think I only watched that movie once. I don't think I ever bothered to rewatch it. I don't think it would hold up for me now. Also, my poor little Brian Posehn gets murdered in it. Oh, I don't remember that. Big baby man. Don't want to see that. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, we, when I worked at a movie theater, so that was 2005, 2006 when that came out. Uh, yeah, roughly. Yeah. Cause I remember I was working at the multiplex at that point in time and I had to screen that movie over and over and over again. Uh, which a lot of the movies, like I would sit down and watch bits and pieces of, uh, and that one I was like, uh, I kind of checked out most of the time. Although that ending scene was great. Yeah, ending was cool, and then he completely negated himself with whatever. Didn't he come out with a sequel to that movie a year or two ago? Uh, Yeah, I think it's been a little while, but Three from Hell. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So. Anyway, I don't want to be too negative on this one. I, I didn't hate this movie, it's just, <clears throat> it's not really my jam. Okay. But I... Had I been in a group's environment, I think this would have been a lot more fun to watch. You should. I don't you want you to look so sad. Over. Why do you look so sad? Because viewers, you... listeners, viewers, <laughs> we have no viewers. Listeners, Josh is like crying right now, <laughs> and he's pulling out a Kleenex, but it's. It's like a clown Kleenex, and there's like 30 feet of it, and it just keeps coming out of his pocket. It's, uh, I just wanted you to have the same experience watching this at a sleepover as I did, and then you feel warm and fuzzy about it, even though it's nasty. Uh, but I think also, because of the fairground stuff, I kind of conflate it with Something Wicked This Way Comes. I don't know what that is. Oh. Uh, uh, it's based on a Ray Bradbury book called Something Wicked This Way Comes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a great uh, childhood favorite. Uh, so where are we at in this movie? Kills are going to start happening. Yes. Fine. It's, it's been a while. Um, but so the, the, the dad sees that the kids were up in the rafters and they know. And uh, the chase is on it, basically, right? Yes, and it's cutting back and forth uh, because it cuts to her kid brother getting grabbed by uh, the. Is it the dad? I this didn't make sense because I think there's two guys that look similar. 
in the thing, but it's not the carnival barker, but he spooks the kid. Uh, but that whole part is weird. The whole, the whole movie is kind of weird from here on out. It, <laughs> I, I have no idea how. No, there's some good stuff coming up, though, that I actually do really okay. like. So look forward to it. Uh, how, how big is this fun house? Because they run through it for a while and there's all these different rooms. It was when the trap door opened under her feet where I was like, what's going on here? How? Because <laughs> <laughs> why would why would this ride, this gimmick ride, have a real trap door for, like, for trapping people in it? This is what's going on here. That's an excellent point. Why? Why was so little effort put into creating the bathrooms? Yet somebody put a trap door in the fun house. <laughs> also, I have the Wikipedia open. Can we talk about the poster? Because on our poster that I made for our show, it's the nice one of the clown. The Wikipedia just has the fangs with the cleft palate and white drool coming. It's just a gross poster, and it's been over there in the perif- my periphery this oh. whole time. I don't like it. Yeah. No, I like the one with the clown and then like the painting of all the kids or whatever in the front. Um, I think that's my favorite version. Just the one with just the clown. There's something about the clown that I, I don't like that. But Do I, re- I really don't like this one. Um, it's weird because I go back and forth thinking that clowns are played out and then thinking that they're creepy. Like... If you watch low-budget horror movies, the amount of them that have clown imagery in them is, it's far too many. And everybody thinks you just throw a clown in there and it's automatically going to be spooky or something. Uh, And much like a movie I watched recently, if you just put a mask or some face paint on somebody, it doesn't make them creepy. Are you talking about Poughkeepsie tapes? I am talking about Poughkeepsie tapes. I like... I I feel like something has happened. Some some beast has awoken in you because I encouraged you the other week of like, no, it's good that you don't like movies. <laughs> and then you just posted this like scathing one star review of like Poughkeepsie tapes is everything that I don't like about movies. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a movie I don't like, uh, it's most of them I've watched recently. Seriously, it's been my Hooptober has not been strong. Excuse me. Sorry. Okay. Um, first kill is going to be Glasses Guy getting Hangman noosed out of nowhere. This was like something out of a video game, like Splinter Cell, where you would be hanging upside down in a rafter, and then as a security guard walks by, you like grab him like a spider and like pull him up and kill him. Uh, and there is a, a really cool shot where, uh, the guy gets dragged up into the rafters and like, as his feet leave, uh, the money that he stole like floats back down. So like he's getting jerked out of the frame and there's this rain of dollar bills kind of falling. It's like, Grand Theft Auto rules. When you kill somebody, all the money falls out of their pockets. Yes. Uh, so he disappears for a minute, and then 
our our guy and two girls who are survivors, they uh they grab an axe and this is where they hear the roller coaster coming, right? Yes. Yeah. They so start dude, out. dude just blindly swings his axe <laughs> at the roller coaster car. <laughs> who cares who it is? And uh plants it in his friend. This is my favorite shot in the movie with the shot that's the camera is mounted on the front of the car. And we see the guy with the axe in his head, and we drive away as the blonde girl chases after him. It's a really cool shot. Uh, did it concern you that they have a real axe as a prop in this in this funhouse? Oh, I thought you meant. <clears throat> excuse me, I thought you meant in the movie. Oh no, <gasps> Jesus! I thought you meant in the movie, but the funhouse. I guess, you know, that's also like a movie thing is you used to see fire axes in movies mm-hmm. in, in case of emergency, break glass and then chop down door with this axe in here. Right. Just it's you don't see that anymore. But. Hey, this is Sean with an editor's note. We're going to have some very minor spoilers for Pearl. So if you don't want to hear those, skip forward about one minute from this point, starting now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a little concerned about this. I'm a little concerned about the guy's technique. He's real choked up on the axe. He's got his hand real high next to the head, and he's not going to get any momentum on the swing like that. It, it's hard to get like, good leverage up that high, which uh, that's funny because Eli brought up the same thing uh, while watching Pearl. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yep. Um, uh, which means that he was talking in the theater. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Uh huh. But if my friend leaned over to me while I'm watching that movie to talk to me about the hand placement on a weapon, I might move seats. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a s- this is, there's a reason I see movies alone. Okay. Let's <laughs> just. <laughs> I know myself. Just a scathing stare and scoot two seats away. Well, it's normally if somebody, my friend, whispers something to me, I'll, I'll just kind of go like, uh, and, and not even look at them and just kind of not. And hopefully they get it that I'm not interested. Yes. In I'll listen to their opinions after the movie. When they're on the podcast with us. Um, so who's our next kill? Lady falls through the hole. She gets killed by the industrial fan like we talked about. Surprisingly a, a goreless kill, though. This movie does not have much gore in it. No, it really doesn't. Kind of similar, I guess, to... Um, I mean, that's always the shtick of Texas Chainsaw, right? Is that the, the notorious movie that has no gore in it. Yes. Uh, but she does get a stab in on, uh, I don't know what the bad guy's name is and I feel bad. Jumpsuit. There you go. Yeah. Um, she stabs him in the back. So she got that. There's a little bit. I mean, we get, and then as a jock guy and dad are fighting, for some reason, that suit of armor, again, as you said, 
a real sword as a prop. The suit of armor is holding not not a prop sword, a real one. Uh huh. Did was there a shot where they knock the sword down so that it's now pointing out that I missed, or is this thing always holding a sword just pointing out, waiting to stab anybody who walks by? I, you know, I didn't notice a shot where they where they knock it down. <laughs> what a weird way to, for it to hold the sword. <laughs> that that impalement was pretty good. I like that they kind of shish kebab at one point where the dad starts pulling the jock on. So now like the two of them are both impaled on the sword together. It's a real intimate moment. And it's the kind of thing uh I didn't expect to see in this movie for some reason. Like it seems like more maybe more of an action movie or like if you have a real monster or something. But this is just like a, a guy that does this. Yeah, so there I mean, I thought this movie going in with it being called Funhouse, I thought this would be more of a a whole group of carnies dressed as clowns and carnival barkers and everyone else, maybe a freak show performer would together chase our group of protagonists but this is just a dad and his child who is do we have any backstory on like what happened here does the movie drop any hints i don't think it does do about no this kid yeah okay that's just a thing that happened yeah this is uh I mean, I guess there there is some backstory in the first Texas Chainsaw uh, that gets fleshed out a little bit. Get it? Sean, I said fleshed out. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's very good. You should be proud of yourself. Okay, thank you. Uh, but yeah, this just seems like wrong place, wrong time. The only thing we get is that there were some dead bodies left behind this carnival a year ago. That's it. Yeah. Well, and then the jock guy gets killed off screen. And uh, and then we're just down to our, our final survivor girl here mm-hmm. for this finale. And um, yeah, what do you think of... <laughs> it's always nice to see gigantic rotating gears in movies, isn't it? That's... Uh... My note was, those gears sure can crush shit. I wonder if that's going to come into play. I know, and then I was like, oh man, are they not going to give me the gear kill when it was gone in the other way? And right. then, no, it came back around. She kills this guy, well, she zaps him in the elect- in the box, and then hooks his shirt, and then gets dragged into the, the gears, but this kill here with the gear thing, this monster is just like, Flailing around like a lunatic. I can't tell if this is a mannequin or what, because it it almost looks inhuman how hard this thing is flailing and screaming, and there's strobe just hitting so hard, and it it just keeps going on and on. <laughs> I thought this would be like a three second death, and the shot just keeps going. No, it's he's really getting chewed up in there. Uh, is is the hook thing? Is that? A Texas Chainsaw moment, 
or do you think it just happened to be? If it 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 must be. I just why would there be a hook thing, like a hook thing with a trail that you would move steak carcasses on underneath a funhouse? Yeah. What is this funhouse? It makes no What's sense. What's going on in this funhouse? It house? makes no sense. You know what? You've talked me into it. This is a terrible movie, Sean. I'm not going to. No, no. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Did you? I thought the ending. What do you think of this whole edited montage here with the girl where she's. It might have been before this scene where it's like she thinks she's escaped. But then we're just going to have some real, like, flash cut, jump cuts. It felt like Five Night at Freddy's where it's, like, all of the different funhouse characters and creatures, like, spamming themselves at her as she kind of loses her mind. I don't know, because it's, uh, like, danger is done, right? Is this just her PTSD? That was my take on it yeah and that and then kind of like as she walks out of here you know this movie just kind of ends but i i think that's the takeaway is that she's a bit shell-shocked walking out of this uh carnival and being just dazed as the sun slowly rises um the i did want to mention the brother like it seems like he's in danger because he gets caught by the carnival workers but then they call his parents somehow, uh, and the parents come and get him. And there's a shot that implies that he hears his sister calling for help and decides to do nothing. Really? Yeah. I didn't I didn't catch that. <laughs> yes. Like she is yelling through one of those industrial fans because she sees her family, and he looks up and he looks towards the funhouse, and his parents are like are you okay? And he kind of shrugs, and they put him in the car. And he followed her to that fun house, did he not? Wasn't he, like, waiting outside for them to come out, and that's when he gets caught? Yes. What a little shit. <laughs> this kid sucks. <laughs> oh, that, that'll do it, huh? Yeah. Did we miss anything? Uh, only the weirdness that they said that the carnival is supposed to be pulling out the next morning. Uh, yet none of the carnival is packed up. Well, the carnival doesn't want to get its partner pregnant. Wow. Sean, you're coming in hot today with these. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I appreciate this energy you're bringing. <laughs> that's good I'm trying to be like positive and fun even though I have a, a negative take on this movie well I, so, I think the second half of the show is going to be a lot easier I do too Yeah. so to wrap up this one though um, I would give the fun house a 2 out of 5 it's it. there's some stuff in it that I like but overall I, I'm not having a great time with this one and, uh, 2.5 out of 5 was it's kind of where I'm just real neutral on a movie and can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. This one is just on the other side where I'm I'm just not not having very much fun with it. What do you think? Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. I have a lot of fondness for it. 
that's what my heart means on the review. Uh, it's this one is nostalgic. Um, uh, I give it four stars. I almost, and a heart. And a heart. Wow, that's big. Yeah. You know what this is? This is your My Trimmers 2. Okay. Yes. Although you were you like Trimmers 2 a little more, but I was like coming in real hot on that. And that was yep. one where you like, I don't know if this is a four out of five. Like, it's okay. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just... All right, well... Hey, I, I'm glad I watched this though. I and like, I really do want with a director like Toby Hooper, who's so synonymous and prolific in the horror genre. It's good to know their work, so I can really have an opinion on whether or not I like them or not. Absolutely. And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you after the break when we talk about Gremlins Two. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, in the second half of the show here, we're going to talk about Sean's pick, which I hope he liked, uh, unlike my my choice. Uh, and we're talking Gremlins 2, The New Batch, a Joe Dante film from 1990, uh, starring Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates. Actually, once again, this cast is stacked. You got Christopher Lee playing a mad scientist in this movie. That's amazing hooptober Hoop-tober. christopher lee movies checking it off the list <laughs> um yeah I've, I've seen this one before and i love it i don't want to meet the monster that does not at least like this movie oh absolutely if you don't like this movie you just don't like fun <laughs> and you chose a movie about a fun house and this was just like what I was just trying to think of, like, what's a movie that just embodies that, like, circus and that carnival and chaos? And I was just like, oh, it's got to be Gremlins too. There's no, there's no movie zanier than this one. No, Gremlins Two is if you mix a Marx Brothers movie with uh, some kind of cartoon, and this is what you get. Everything is either a setup or a joke after the first like 15 minutes, once the action starts, it is it's gags all the way. I love it. Oh, it goes so fast. And there's a lot of good jokes in it. Actually. I, a lot of laugh out loud moments and the idea to set this movie against like the idea to set this movie in opposition against like corporate capitalism and corporate America and giant conglomerates and everything. It just makes this so ripe for satire and for this movie to just take the piss out of everything, including itself. Um, so this, there's a series of, um, these like high tech, uh, office building movies from around this time. I feel like, the other one, what, RoboCop? I didn't think about RoboCop. I thought of... Um, Would that count? I guess that, like, the boardroom and stuff in that. I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking of Scrooged. I haven't... 
it's been too long for me to remember it. That movie scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, though. Really? It's really dark, the part where there's some kind of monster that he's with. I don't remember who it is. But then his, like, when he's in the casket that gets in a... Um, oh, God, what's it called? When you burn your body. Ouchie? <laughs> God, damn, you know the word. <laughs> cremated. The opposite of buried. Cremated, thank you. God damn it. Um... And he's like banging from inside yeah, the coffin yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it disturbed the shit out of me when I was a little kid. Um, and uh, Poltergeist Three takes place in a high rise. It's not as that's right. I re- I remember we discussed that, and it's it's like the Poltergeist <laughs> becomes part of the building or something. I don't remember. I watched a clip you. There was a kill in Poltergeist 3 mm-hmm. or something that you really liked, right? I think it was the pool stuff. Either that or the it's either the pool or the um the parking garage. Hmm. I should get around to seeing that one. Yeah, there's some some really good stuff in that one. Was I think there was a wasn't there a Black Mirror episode about a smart house, but then it starts to become sentient and work against people. I know there was a Simpsons episode that did that. Mm-hmm. The Treehouse of Horror. Uh, there's also the movie Demon Seed where a smart house tries to impregnate Julie Christie. <laughs> that's, a, that's a thing that happens. Is there? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. And then there's uh, an X-Files episode uh, which was, you know, obviously a couple years after this about a smart building that kills. There's uh, that Mr. Show sketch about the smart house that talks to you if you're blind. I don't remember that one. <laughs> it's the, it's like, it's shot like a educational film from the 70s. It's super stiff. It's Bob and David walking around the house. Bob is the scientist that invented the house. And there's little speakers on all of the furniture and everything. And it's like, you can get different celebrity voices. So it's like, howdy, pilgrim. I'm a couch. John Wayne. <laughs> I am a stool. Peter O'Toole. And just, uh, I'll put a clip in here. Celebrity voice system activated. Howdy, Pilgrim. I am a chair. John Wayne. (laughs) Go out and get him, Rocky! I'm a lamp, Burgess Meredith. (laughs) I am a television set. Did you hear me? A TV. Peter O'Toole. Mr. Show fans will know what I'm talking about. Kevin and Russell will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm doing material for a very select portion of the audience here. (laughs) That's a 10 percenter right there. (laughs) So this movie starts with um, Victor Wong in this little shop, huh? And what a fucking awesome guy. He's been in Tremors, Big Trouble Little China, Prince of Darkness. Uh, I knew him when I was a kid from Three Ninjas, which I'm sure Three Ninjas must be a terrible movie now. Mm-hmm. I loved it when I was a kid, though. There's no, I, I'm sure I would 
hate that movie if I watched it now. Now, uh, that is Three Ninjas, the, the original, not Three Ninjas uh, Day at was Thunder Mountain or whatever it was. Surf Mountain? Yeah. <laughs> what is that one called? I know. I know exactly what you're referencing. We used to... <laughs> my... <laughs> we used to make my friend Joe be Tum Tum. <laughs> so we... I'm Colt, you're Rocky, and Joe's Tum Tum. <laughs> Kids are so cruel. <laughs> uh, so have you seen this movie before? Oh, Gremlins 2? Absolutely. Absolutely. Has, this is just... This is a notorious movie for being, like, the formula for what a sequel should be. Because it, ex- it, it does its own thing. It expands upon itself from the original. While completely evolving beyond the scope of the original. This movie's so much better for me than the first Gremlins. This is so much more fun. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, it is, but it's good in a different way than the first one. I love both of them. Uh, but as far as... I like Gremlins 1 a lot, but this one is... There's... There's shots at the end of this that blow my mind. Uh... Have you seen the the Key and Peele sketch where they pitched this movie? Yeah, yeah, I'll put that in our Discord, but that sketch is so funny. Yeah. When uh Jordan Peele's running around the the board, yep, at the that the movie meeting just asking every single person what kind of gremlin do you want? How about a flasher gremlin? How about a gremlin with crazy eyes? How about a gremlin that only exists as electricity? <laughs> I don't see that the uh, the gremlin design is broken. It's called brainstorming, not brain drizzling, sweet pea. Okay, shut your mouth for a second. Look, here's the thing. None of this is final. So you mean like, what if there was like a brainy gremlin? <laughs> a brainy gremlin. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. Whoa, whoa, you you said that nothing was final. That was before I heard the words Brainy and Gremlin in the same sentence together. It's done, I love it, it's in the movie next. What about a uh, spider gremlin? You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh my God, it's in the movie, I love it! Next! What about a bat gremlin? You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a Who wall, is your gremlin in this movie? Who? Which one do you like? Oh, boy, there's a lot of goofers in this one. There's a lot of, of silly guys in this one. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you which one I don't like. That's Vegetable Gremlin. He's, he, which one's... Wait, I, I remember Vegetable Gremlin eating... Eating carrots or something. Well, he he drinks I don't know tomato juice or something, and he turns into the vegetable medley. That's what it is. He drinks vegetable medley sauce. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, when they start to get all the boils. Yes. All over them. Yep. Yeah. That's upsetting. <laughs> and then he has a carrot beard and tomatoes growing out the side of his face. What's the tomatoes on the face? When they pop out for the first time, uh, it makes my skin crawl. It's like that. Uh, what's the the fear of holes thing? Tryptophobia. Yeah, it's like that. Okay i I don't think I got 
a close enough look at this thing in the movie to realize that its beard is made out of carrots uh-huh. and that those bulbs are actually tomatoes. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> Uh, I like Crazy Eye Gremlin. Mm-hmm. I like Flasher Gremlin. Smart Gremlin is pretty great, but I think honestly the one that I that I really enjoyed was um, Hard Hat Gremlin, the one that's working on the electric fuse box yeah. and fucking around at that thing. Something about that little guy in that hard hat really did it for me. Uh, I really like Gargoyle Gremlin. That was so funny. Yeah. I did not see. I forgot about the punchline of that joke that after this thing gets soaked in concrete, it flies on a building and then forms into a garden, a gargoyle, and freezes. And uh, it's you know, Mister Futterman realizes he's going to be okay after that. Yeah, who is? Um, are you talking about Murray or whoever? Yes. Is he the? Is he a dad in this? I, I I didn't remember who his character is from the first one. Um, he was, I, I believe that's, he's played by Dick Miller. Uh, and he is the guy in the first one who I think he has a drinking problem or something because he's like drinking in his truck. And when he sees the gremlins, he's like, I think he's the one that looks at the bottle and is like shakes his head. Um, and that's such a, that's such a fucking yeah dumb classic alcoholism movie joke. Uh, and they, the gremlins um, keep terrorizing him, and they drive a truck into his house at, some, at one point in the first one. This dude had a hell of a career, Dick Miller. Oh, yeah. Terminator, both gremlins, After Hours, The Burbs, The Howling, Dirty Dozen, Night of the Creeps. Uh, he, he was in some big-name movies. But, I mean, his career goes back to the 50s. Uh, he was in the original Sh- Little Shop of Horrors, uh, and a Roger Corman movie called uh, Bucket of Blood, which is that's a fun movie. That's a good uh, Halloweeny kind of movie. I I don't know if I've ever seen a Roger Corman. Um, let's see. I don't know. You've seen Roger Corman before. Yes. Because he's in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Well, I I think I've seen him at interviews or something as well. Oh, okay. He's in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Hmm. He he did... Um, uh, oh, who directed Silence of the Lambs? Jonathan Demme. Um, Demme, yeah. He would... Uh, pop up. He would do cameos in people who started with him. He's in, he's in one of the Godfather films, two or three, um, because uh, Coppola started with what Dementia Thirteen, uh, which was a Corman film. I had no idea about that. Yep, Coppola. Has Coppola made a good movie outside of the Godfather movies? Um, do you not think Dracula is a good movie? The Gary Oldman one? Yes. I have such a hard time with that because I just think whoever walked in and met Gary Oldman would be like, whoa, you're a monster. 
<laughs> there's no way anyone would look at that man and be like, huh, that's, that must just be an eccentric older man. Um, He's clearly hellspun. <laughs> uh, I forgot that you don't like the conversation. Um, Apocalypse Now. That's pretty much widely regarded as a classic. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the Outsiders? Again, war thing. The what? The Outsiders? I last watched that one in, like, eighth grade. I just remember the cast was, like, insanely stacked for that one. Yeah. And Ralph Macchio's bros burned back at the end of it. Um, and I like his run in the, in the 2000s, when he kind of came back and did uh, Twixt... Uh, Twixt, Youth Thought Youth, and, um, god dang it, the other one. I don't remember, uh, anything about that one, but I remember I liked those at at that time, when I watched them. I'm very curious to see what's gonna happen with this Megalopolis experiment that he's doing. Oh, yeah. Like his last hurrah, spending hundreds of millions of his own dollars. I don't see it going well. Honestly, I don't see this. What if it does, though, Sean? What if it does? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so to get into this movie, I, um, we got Zach Galligan, who's Billy, and he works at a big giant corporation, the Clamp Channel, with his wife. His wife, Phoebe Cates. I think she. Are they married? I don't know if they're married or if they're unfianced at this point in time. Okay, but they both work at this big building, and it's a mega corporation. And um, Christopher Lee is up there doing all kinds of mad scientist shit as part of the research development thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ordering malaria and... <laughs> That's such raving. a good bit. Oh, I love that bit. And then this is all run by um, Mr. Clamp, who's played by... Is it John Glover? Yes. Yeah. John Glover is so goddamn funny in this movie as Mr. Clamp because he constantly just has this slightly bewildered, dumb confused look on his face like he just doesn't really grasp anything that's happening around him he's uh oddly kind of daffy and charming even though he's basically um a trump ted turner mashup he should be the antagonist yes he should 100 percent be the bad guy of this movie but somehow he's not and i don't get it but i'm here for it <laughs> So, just what'd you think of this? Like the intro here, as you know, the <clears throat> they wait for Victor Wong to die, and apparently he he dies shortly after they visit right on cue, so they can take over his shop. And I thought the the demolition shot with the tractor clock coming in, and then Gizmo running away from it was really cool. And anytime Gizmo's running with his little feet pattering around, it's it's just hilarious and so adorable. Um, don't be sorry. 
Sean, I hate to correct you, but I don't think that's Victor Wong. Uh oh, I'm sorry. He's in this later. Okay. Yeah. The- All right. Wait. Hold on. Who did I click on? I clicked on someone earlier to bring me to Victor Wong's profile <laughs> because of something else. Three Ninja. <laughs> he was in one of these movies. <laughs> it's uh, Key Luke is the. The guy in this one. Uh, uh, uh. Were you you thinking of the Joy Luck Club? No. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm very confused of what I was just thinking of. I'm very confused now. Perhaps uh, our earlier entry with Prince of Darkness? <laughs> anyway. Um, so what do you think as they destroy this old man's shop here after they wait for him to die? Because they're like, oh, did you hear that cough? He'll die soon. And then apparently it's like two weeks later and he's dead. It- I thought the implication was going to be that they poison him or something. But apparently he just died due to good timing. Yeah, and it's just, I don't like it at all. It's upsetting. It's the kind of thing, uh, I mean, it is uh, capitalism run amok, uh, and I don't know, it feels like colonialism? Like, they're just taking over Chinatown and and his space in there. Uh, Plus, there's a lot of cool stuff in that shop that they just knock over and, and tear up. Yeah, how do, how do they put it? It's like, your shop sells little things, and we want to do a building that does big things. Yeah. Some, some aggrandizing, self-aggrandizing thing. Uh, so, yeah, so the way Gizmo runs away. I'll, is there a better name in the world for this than Gizmo? N- I just... No. It makes me so happy to say Gizmo. <laughs> it just... It puts a smile on my face to say gizmo and look at that little guy. (laughs) He is Um, delightful. So as we're introduced to this building and all the fancy futuristic shit inside of it, that that revolving door gag Mm -hmm. was like straight out of airplane and it got me so good. <laughs> so funny watching that man spin around like he's on ice skates inside of there before being flung across the lobby of the building. Uh right before that, we we get introduced reintroduced, I guess, um to Billy and uh and Kate. Uh is there anybody more adorable in this era than Phoebe Cates in this little like uh, outfit that she's wearing with the kind of the broad shoulders and the headband and l- later her like cap that she has to wear. No, I, she's so sweet in this. And I, I think this guy's like so lucky he gets to go to work every day with his wife and they work in the same building and that mm-hmm. just, it's so sweet. It's awesome. Yeah. I have not seen 
I've seen like none of her movies, by the way. This is the f this and Gremlins are the only two movies of hers I've ever seen. Yeah, you've yeah. you've never seen Drop Dead Fred. No, never seen Fast Times. Never seen Drop Dead Fred. Okay. Nope. I think those are pretty much the three, the four that I've seen. Oh, I have seen her boobs, though. I'll just put that out there. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I was worried you hadn't. I mean, I was 14 at one point. Yes. So. Uh, what about the fact that Robert Prosky, who we last saw as the big bad in Thief. Thiefing it up. Yeah. Thiefing all over the place. Yeah. Plays Grandpa Fred. Perhaps my favorite character in this movie. Grandpa Fred's so sweet. Yes. And it's like, it's, Grandpa Fred's kind of like Joe Bob Briggs. Yes. It's, or, I mean, do you know the, the, there's a long and storied history that I only know bits and pieces of, of these horror hosts uh, on, like, regional television? I mean, the only one I know of is aside from Joe Bob, is Elvira, and she's... I've never actually seen a broadcast of hers or anything like that. Okay. Uh, locally here, we have Dr. Gangrene, who is portrayed by my friend uh, Larry Underwood, and he's been doing it for years, but through him, like, I've met other horror hosts, um, like, uh, what's her name, Penny Dreadful. She does uh, up in the, the Northeast. Um, there's Sven Gulli. There's all kinds of like, each one has their own flavor for the kind of, uh, the, the part of the country that they, that they cover. Uh, and Sven is a little spicy for my taste. I was just making a joke that that sounded like a bowl of soup. Oh, okay. I thought there was a specific soup, like a, maybe a goulash or something. I just Svengoolie sounded like a a dish that I wouldn't want to eat. <laughs> but but I think it's a dish that you would enjoy. I don't know. I'm weird about food, man. I'm a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did pretty well uh, when you were here. Oh no, I'm I'm not. I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. The only thing is like the. The the fish, the pescatarian thing, but I'm not too picky mm. otherwise outside of that. Um so Billy's a designer and he's designing and drawing stuff and I like the bit with his boss, the red headed lady, where she's like, You gotta put elm trees. Everyone loves elm trees. And then Mr. Clamp walks by, he's like, Oh, get those elm trees out of there. They they make people think of illness. Yes. Dutch elm disease. <laughs> And who says to him, um, oh, it's like his other boss because he breaks protocol in the office because he has a plant and a drawing or something. And the, the boss goes, no, no, do you know how much money we spent curating this? It's art. Eye-pleasing, color-coordinated, authorized. <laughs> and that's um, Robert Picardo from, once again, Star Trek. The show or the movie? The show. Uh, 
He's on one of the Deep Space Nines or whatever. I know so little about Star Trek that I you could tell me anything about it and I would believe it. Um he he plays the janitor. I don't believe you. Damn it. <laughs> um So yeah, I like just the commentary on this corporation being so cold and cruel that the scene where that catches the guy taking an authorized break via the security camera mm-hmm. so it shines a spotlight on him they fire him on the spot and then make the announcement oh also they remove they take away his medical yeah. <laughs> and they, they make an announcement to all the employees that hey a new career <laughs> spot just opened up <laughs> fuck man corporate america huh uh did you recognize the guy who gets busted i spotted him but i couldn't he's you just saw him. He in was something. on Seinfeld. Is he? Who was? Who? What movie was he in? He was in Nashville. Oh God! There's like 800 people in Nashville. That, that's fair. Uh, he's in. Uh, he. Do you know his name? That's Henry Gibson. He, All right, Henry Gibson. He's in Seinfeld. I'm sure of it. He picked his name because it sounds like the playwright Henrik Ibsen. He uh, he was on a Mad About it's You. Not, it's not looking like Henry Gibson was in Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember him from Seinfeld. I know him from something. And we're gonna get to the bottom of this. Was it as the the na- or the the Nazi in the Blues Brothers? The head Nazi. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it was that. Was it as the bad guy in the Burbs? It might have been Malcolm in the Middle, which would be funny to bring it back, but I don't recall that episode that he was in. Are you? I think IMDb is wrong. I'm pretty sure he was in Seinfeld. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, Biodome. Is he, I, was it's he gotta Biodome? be Biodome. He was the old man that provided the money for the biodome i think oh uh what about that's gotta be it what about magnolia again there's so many people in that movie that i don't remember (laughs) a lot of the actors from it (laughs) but anyway uh so that guy gets fired the quote from uh prosky who says People who watch TV at 3.30 in the morning aren't afraid of the wolfman. They're just afraid of getting sober and finding a job. <laughs> That's such a good line. That was very funny. Um, so what do you think of... Uh, this is just like the quintessential mad scientist lab. <laughs> it reminded me of two things from being a kid. It reminded me of creepy crawlers and there was another toy. That was like a mad scientist drink concoction where you could make different drinks and then they would foam or have like the dry ice effect. And I don't remember what that kit was called, but I so specifically remember the commercial and it looked like exactly like this set does. I love this set. This has a real reanimator feel. I was going to look if the guy who composed this soundtrack 
did reanimator as well. A lot of this stuff here has kind of that Stuart Gordon reanimator pulpy fun feel. Um, it's a, a Jerry Goldsmith who I think also did the first one score. Wait, Jerry Goldsmith has done a lot of stuff. Oh, he did Alien. No wonder. Alien score is so good. I like all the Alien scores. I'm just a big Alien head. Um, the so Christopher Lee, his his name is Doctor Cushing Catheter, which I thought was great because they get a, a Peter Cushing, the uh, and a catheter joke in there all at once. Um, the, the line that he comes in on when, when he says, this must be my malaria. I'm supposed to get rabies next week. I love that <laughs> bit. Uh, <laughs> when he takes, when he takes the woman's sneezed Kleenex <laughs> because he didn't get his order of the flu bug, but he, he can just salvage it from that. Yes. Uh, the, what about the reveal of the twins in this lab? These twins, my god, these men are adorable. <laughs> and when they turn on the rock and roll music and Gizmo's dancing, and these two guys are both doing this tiny little subtle synchronized dance, it just... I had kind of a shitty night last night and woke up still feeling some effects of just, like, having a kind of downer, depressive night. Mm-hmm. And seeing Gizmo... Dancing and doing air guitar, and these two men just made me laugh and smile. This movie really did pick me up this morning when I watched it. It really did, like, turn my day around a bit. Uh, I mean, I watched it after work yesterday, and it just made me happy. I mean, I had a good day, and it still made me happy. (laughs) It It was a delight to... I don't think there's a bad time to watch this movie. No. Oh, did you see uh, the 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 delivery man, the whistling delivery man who drops by the office? That's Ding Chavez from Clear and Present Danger. He's been in other stuff, too. Okay. Have you seen Clear and Present Danger? Not that I recall. Oh, really? That's my favorite political thriller by far. It's so good. Harrison Ford, Willem Dafoe. And this guy. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we've already talked about a little bit, uh, or quite a lot, but the fact that Getty Watanabe, Paul Bartel, Hulk Hogan, Julia Sweeney, uh, Dean Norris of uh, Breaking Bad, and Raymond Cruz apparently is in it. Uh, Raymond Cruz, that's, that's Dean Chavez. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Ding Chavez is his character's name in Clear and Present Danger. Got it. Um, and and you 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 said one name there that sounded like you just made up syllables. Was it Paul Bartel? No. It was, no. It oh, was Getty Watanabe. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, ugh. he's famous as being Long Duck Dong. From Sixteen Candles. Oh, Donger Need Food? Yep. Yeah, that's another movie that I think I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but I remember people making that joke when 
my sister's friends or something. Yeah, I think uh, another one that did not hold up well, uh, more than likely. But uh, Leonard Malton is in this movie. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who was in The Wire. Um, who else? Oh, John Aston, who was Gomez Adams. This There's so many good little cameos in this movie. Um, Sean, how do you play the Malton game? I've I've never understood it. What do you mean? Where's where's this coming from? Because Leonard Malton is in this movie. And I saw him and I was like, oh yeah, the Discord used to play that game all the time. And I hopped on once and I was so fucking confused that I was like, I'm I'm intimidated <laughs> by all of you guys and I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. Oh, Malton game's very fun. It's based on uh Doug Loves Movies podcast, but so you get your Leonard Malton book, and basically, uh, you, the, what is it, what's listed? There's a category, and then the year of the movie is listed, and then, um, you give a little brief synopsis from Leonard's review about the movie, and then you then open the floor to people, and so, Everyone has to bid. And so the, the currency that you bid with is actors. So basically, if, if you're really confident, you say, I don't need any actors. I bid zero because that means I don't need any actors. I know what this movie is. Okay. You don't need to give me any hints. If like you don't know anything, you have no idea what the movie is, then you'd be like, I need five actors. And so then with... The numbers is it starts from the bottom, the lowest actor that he lists, the least popular or least famous, and then goes up the list from there. Got it. So then that's just it. It's whoever has the most confident bid then uh, gets to guess the movie. And that's pretty much it. Oh, this whole time I was thinking that it's like um, the game that Eli makes us play on the other podcast, which is he gives us a title and we have to come up with uh, what we think the episode is about. I thought this was... No, no. I thought this was... This is just a movie identification game. Oh, because uh, I think... The, it's not a creative game. Okay. Oh, uh, no wonder. Uh, I think Pitch Storm is that same thing that I'm thinking of. Um which my mom bought me a copy of, and I have not gotten to play it yet. So, mostly. So the let's see, Billy overhears the delivery guy, so he knows that Gizmo's upstairs in the science lab. So he goes up to free him and releases a bunch of monkeys in the lab. <laughs> this, <laughs> I don't. You know when you know when something's not that funny, but for whatever reason, it just. It hits you just right in your soul. Uh-huh. Absolutely. When, when, when one of those twins looks at a monkey and yells, Alvin, put down that DNA. <laughs> <laughs> That's just comedy gold. And I don't know why, because it's really not that funny, but it is. That's pretty great. 
Absolutely, Doctor. Where there's flashlights, there's dark. And they like the dark. Theodore, how did you get out? Alvin, put down that DNA. <sighs> Armband. I just all the gizmo. All the gizmo. Bogwai. Armband. Oh. Rambo. Rambo. When when he's uh, got Gizmo in that little toolbox, I always worry mm-hmm. about Gizmo in these kinds of things that he's going to get hurt or like bumped around too much. I worry about that little guy. Gizmo, Gizmo's fine. Uh, Gizmo's fine. I mean, I feel the same anxiety when I put my cats in their little cat carrier to take them to the vet, like. Um, you know, I worry that they're getting either psychologically or physically damaged in some way, shape, or form. In in a little cat carrier? Yeah. No, they're fine. They the a cat can deal with being in a little box for a little bit. I mean, they do, uh, like elect to put themselves in little boxes occasionally, just on their own. I'm gonna say you see those videos of people's cats like. Pouring themselves inside a bottle of Yoohoo, and it's like, how does a twelve-pound cat fit in a bottle of Yoohoo? It seems happy in there. I don't know. Now I really want to see a cat Yoohoo. <laughs> Yoohoo! I haven't had a Yoohoo in twenty years. <laughs> I don't know if it exists anymore, but that shit is nasty. Mm-hmm. It's it's like um, skim chocolate milk, but also tastes like chemicals. Yeah, and dirty water. Oh, I don't know if I had the dirty water comparison, but <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's like chocolate milk they would serve to you at a Canadian-themed restaurant. <laughs> it's very chic. I didn't remember this restaurant that he goes on the date, Billy and his boss, mm-hmm. she makes him go on a date with him. The, <laughs> the dead animals everywhere the fact that there's like a dead deer bisecting their conversation where they have to duck under it in order to talk to people at this dinner table while drinking out of giant wooden looking steins drinking their molson <laughs> this is so this is so goddamn funny <laughs> and probably like, when the uh, I don't I don't know if you can be like problematic against Canadians. I don't think so. I you, I don't I feel like, but if you could, this would be <laughs> when when the server brings over the chocolate mousse. That's my. <laughs> can I interest you in a little bit of antler? Would you like some horn? <laughs> so it's so goddamn stupid. I love it. So. Billy really should just tell his wife what happens at this dinner and not be a weirdo and hide it. I mean, we wouldn't be able to get that very thin subplot that barely pops up. Uh, of that, that's that subplot is as thick as a bottle of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've also, while they're on their date, we got John Aston playing with a uh, water fountain and. Dumping the world's most aggressive water fountain to boot and dumping water on Gizmo. Yeah, I love when this janitor is just muttering to himself about how the higher ups upstairs, when they take a pee, they get paid $345 an hour. But what do they know about fixing a pipe? 
his uh, grumbling. I wonder if is that in the script? Do you think, or is he just riffing? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, hey, you seem like you're having a shitty day. Why don't you just bring that into the character? <laughs> uh, I don't like when Gizmo gets wet. And all those things are like growing and like popping out of him. It's a little unsettling and disturbing. Oh yeah, it's it's not pleasant, and uh, it makes me feel bad for my little friend. It seems like it hurts him. Uh, also, I had a question: Are these his children? Yeah, which is like these. These children show a little respect for your creator. They immediately pop out, and the first thing they do is... Seemingly every single gremlin is cool with each other, except Gizmo. They don't like Gizmo. It's like Gizmo's the only one they don't like. Mm -hmm. Right from the beat. There's at one point in the crowd you can spot later on in the bar scene... One gremlin is wearing a shirt that's like an, a no gizmo shirt. Oh, it's yes. gizmo with a little circle with the slash through it. Why? Why do they uh, not like Giz? He's the best. <laughs> There's a couple of throwaway jokes in this movie, and one was uh, in the PA system. It's like, will the owner of the car with license plate <laughs> AG791 please remove it from the garage? It's old and dirty. <laughs> Uh, that PA system, I think my favorite bit was when they pull the fire alarm. And it's like, uh, ah, man's oldest enemy, fire. <laughs> you are now participating in an eons old, like, and it just goes on and on. And it's like, you should now leave to the enact building. like the, the art of self, yeah. self-preservation yes. or something. Yeah. Remember Jolt Cola? I just I saw a Jolt Cola oh. on a table in this movie. It's like, oh my god, that takes me back. Yeah. Uh, how long did that last? Not very long, but I feel like it's weird because I feel like Jolt left and Red Bull showed up within like two years. And Red Bull was way stronger than Jolt ever was. My first Red Bull, I had it in seventh grade. I remember like I was out in the quad in the school, just like bouncing around and like climbing trees and shit, losing my mind. Um, first of all, Jolt is still around. Okay. Which is surprising. They have Jolt energy gum, Jolt blue, blue bolt, power cola, cherry bomb. Uh, that's insane. They give some Jolt Awards. I have no idea what that is. Jolt. <laughs> How do we win a Jolt Award? Uh, directed by Ian Softly. Uh, oh. Is it about the hackers? Because it was in, because <laughs> it was in the movie Hackers. <laughs> I I wanted to see Hackers when I was a kid, when it was in the theater, and I couldn't find anyone to take me. And I guess it's terrible. I never saw it. Uh, I recently put it on my Plex, but I won't be watching it, you know, during spooky season, so. We kind of fucked up with spooky season, and then we immediately went Funhouse Gremlins. (laughs) Oh, well. 
It's next funny. week. We'll do something like really fucked up and gnarly next week for Halloween. Really? Will we? Well, it doesn't matter what you choose. I, I, I really feel like I want to make you watch something you'll regret. I feel like I haven't done that to you. Like Irreversible or Sallow? Well, actually, Enter the Void. <laughs> it's funny that you went Gaspar No. Yeah. Because <laughs> I want to make you watch Enter the Void. I just, I feel like I want to have a guest on for that episode, but nobody wants to watch that movie. <laughs> um, my first Red Bull was when I was uh, driving cab and I needed, to, <laughs> I needed to stay up all night. So I was like, let me see what these are like. Uh, at the same time, I was a practicing vegetarian. <laughs> so I was like, I'm living a health conscious lifestyle. Let me slam a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, I was like when I was vegetarian, smoking cigarettes. It's just like, well, this doesn't seem, something's missing here. <laughs> or what I really want to do is I want to eat frozen yogurt like a gremlin. That's my real dream. <sighs> just lay me down on my back under a frozen yogurt machine and then give me a line just like a shoot of rainbow sprinkles on a little on a little slide on to the side of my mouth so that way i have the waterfall of the frozen yogurt along with just a constant trickle of rainbow sprinkles and just leave me there please um i'm pretty sure when i first saw this movie i w- i thought that that whole thing was made up because there's no such thing as frozen yogurt where you get to pick your toppings like that didn't exist. What do you mean? That in Indiana we didn't have that. Did you have frozen yogurt? We eventually got a TCBY. Yeah. Um, but I only ate there once because I vomited. <laughs> <laughs> I never I just remember TCBY being a mall thing. It's like that's the mall restaurant. I never actually ate anything from there, I'll take. Yeah, we had one that was in a strip mall, oddly enough. Um, yeah. Uh, although, wow, the vomiting could have been due to the fact that I had just come out of the dentist's office as well. And it was like, oh, I want something like ice cream. And my mom took me to TCBY, and then I threw up in the parking lot. Right after my teeth get drilled on, I always like to then eat the coldest <laughs> thing imaginable. <laughs> you too? <laughs> we had a place called froglanders oh it's taking me back i loved that place froglanders froglanders that was what it was called it was a it was a frozen yogurt shop oh it's so good we had a restaurant called heinies uh which was always kind of upsetting to me and then they built an addition onto heinies and they which they called heinies back barn which i didn't like uh, and I believe the same guy who owned Heinies owned a sandwich shop called Between the Buns. Which I also, I could never bring myself to eat there, be, just because of the name. <laughs> just too many puns? Yeah. I, besides, and I don't want butt imagery when I'm going to eat my food. I don't need that. Right. <laughs> I am, 
I'm trying to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying to find info on this next actor. There's a security guard here, and I swear he's, yeah, that's him. He's in the movie Blank Check, and he has like a super small part in this where he's a security guard. And I don't quite recall what his role is in this movie, but I, I really liked him in Blank Check back in the day. Blank Check was such like a 90s kid movie. Did you see it? You were probably too old for it by that time. Um, is I don't think I saw Blank Check. What am I thinking of? There's another movie where a kid gets a lot of money and then he hires a prostitute. That's the one with Ed Harris where the kids hire a prostitute to because they want to look at boobs or something, but then she falls in love with his dad. Something along those lines, yes. Yeah, I remember that movie. I don't remember what that is. I, Milk Money. Oh my god. Look at that. Where'd that come from, Brain? Nice Good pull. job, Brain. Good job, Brain. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that I saw Milk Money, but not... Uh, not Blank Check. Not Blank Check. But this guy, the security guard who stops Billy from turning off the water supply, is like the Blank Check kid's best friend and confidant and whatever anyways um those those gremlin eggs up in the rafter should sure do remind me of alien oh yeah there's some serious alien imagery from that and uh this movie's about to take off now huh this like i feel like when the big scary's gremlin the big scary gremlins start to hatch and then when we get to this microwave show my god, this microwave <laughs> cooking show. What the fuck is going on with this thing? It's what is she drinking? Is it wine or cooking sherry? Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> I would just it's it's a microwave cooking show with a woman who has a gigantic pot on. She's getting drunk on sherry making bologna and bean dip wraps. And she has never once used a microwave. So I don't know what the show is. Uh, but I would watch it. Did you notice as they're going into the, the microwave with Marge set, one of the signs behind, <laughs> behind them just says, The Archery Channel. <laughs> some, some Robin Hood looking guy walks out of there like, storming out looking pissed yes. off. Yeah, I I would watch I would watch a movie kind of like Network or something that's just about this TV network. Just like one person, the the life of one producer as they try to wrangle the microwave show, the archery show, Mr. Clamp. It would be a very fun time. Um yeah, so this is the gremlins start attacking. They jump out of the sauce pot. They're jumping out of the cabinetry. <laughs> they throw pots and pans inside the microwave. <laughs> um, That's one of my favorite gags. Chaos. Is when somebody puts something in a microwave and it doesn't explode until the microwave dings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not a single hint of spark or anything. It's just like a pressure bomb that's slowly building up. Have you seen the Last House on the Left remake? No. Uh, can I spoil that movie for you? Absolutely. Feel free. 
Okay. So the last house on the left remake plays it very straight, and obviously it's like a very dark movie with it's a rape revenge movie. It's gross. It's terrible. It's horrible. So it plays it all straight and gory and it's fucked up, and then it shows that the dad earlier in the movie was like fucking around with the microwave because it was broken. So at the very end of the movie, our big bad main guy, and I think it's Garrett Dillahunt, is tied down or he's paralyzed, I don't remember. And the dad has him on a table. And his dad's like, blah, blah, blah. You're gonna die now. And he sticks his head in the open microwave and has jammed the door so it activates. And he hits Cook. And I think Garrett Dillahunt starts going like... But then it just... His head just goes... And his head explodes into like a gigantic ball of blood and guts. And I was just like the fuck is this ending to this like super serious dark movie where all of a sudden we're in Looney Tunes land and a head's exploding in a microwave? Okay, see, uh, you might have sold me on it. <laughs> I, I do think it's a better movie than the original Last House on the Left. Not that I'm eager to rewatch either of them, to be perfectly honest with you. That's uh, exactly why I was okay with you spoiling this one, because I've seen the original and... I never want to again. Yeah. The, I had a question about the gremlins on this TV set. The, I mean, not on a, a TV set, on the set that they shoot the TV show on. Uh, if they don't like bright lights, what are they doing on that set? You know how bright those lights are when they, when they make one of those shows? That's insane. Um, I don't know. Maybe Marge likes natural mood lighting. They show the lights. And maybe it's like Hollywood lights. So they don't actually put out that much light. It's just movie magic. By Hollywood lights, you mean the lights within the movies, not the lights that they used to make the movies? I don't know. This, we've gone one layer too deep. You've lost me. It's... Uh, I think that this line of questioning is exactly what one of the security guards does when he's like, oh yeah, what happens when they cross the international date line and it's midnight oh, and then the gremlin love- just pops out of the console <laughs> and kills him. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what if one of them eats something at 11 o'clock, but then he gets something stuck in his teeth? Yeah, like a caraway seed or a sesame seed. Whatever, right, right. And then yeah, after so- 12 o'clock, it comes out. Now, he didn't eat that after midnight. Yeah, that's Look, right. I didn't make the rules, okay? The rules. I don't believe this. Oh, wait a minute. What about this? What if they're eating in an airplane and they cross a time zone? I mean, it's always midnight somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the people. It's like all the, yeah, the security watchers. And it's like... <laughs> That man is being punished for questioning the logic of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it, <laughs> that was definitely one of those great self-aware moments where like, wait, so you can't feed it after midnight, but we're always technically after midnight. Like, <laughs> you need to give a cutoff time. There's, there's no logic to some of these rules. Between midnight and 5 a.m. or something. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, that guy getting killed like that really made me laugh. The The paper shredder was surprisingly gory and goopy as Mr. Clamp shoves <laughs> a gremlin down the paper shredder. 
Then we get the the hard hat elevator gremlin. Ooh, uh, Wall- Wally invents a, ba- invents a bouncing tomato. And they're like, how's the flavor? He's like, great, we already had two chefs from airlines call. <laughs> and I love the mechanic here of in this lab, we have all these different kinds of juices. So there's like brain juice and bat juice and spider juice. And it's just, it's such a simple mechanic for the movie just to do whatever the fuck it wants. Mm-hmm. And so, and for us, the audience to like, okay, this is the spider one. Okay, that's the bat one. And it just really opens things up here to get extra wacky, like even more so than we already are. Uh, did you notice that when the bat one starts growing its wings, they cut from the bat one to Christopher Lee and back to the bat? Yeah, there was, there was a little... There was a little, like, Dracula music sting yes. at that point, too, it seemed like. And I love the joke. Uh, it's not even a joke. It's just a funny visual of uh, once the shit starts going down in the lab, when Christopher Lee enters, he's carrying, like, a giant pea pod or something. And he... Yeah. <laughs> it's just... I don't know what that is. It's just some sort of... Just some giant <laughs> shell of, like, a jungle plant. Yep. Um, one gremlin gets injected with some block and flies out, um, and makes a Batman logo. Yeah, in the building they got to do all these uh, Warner Brothers jokes. Uh, because it's a Warner Brothers. Yeah, movie. we 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 skipped over the fact. I love this movie introduces. It's like this movie is like Jake Taylor pointing the bleachers, calling it shot of. We're Looney Tunes. Yes. This is going to be Looney Tunes. Prepare yourself, audience. Uh, it's like the last movie was, I guess, a universal film because they use like Bride of Frankenstein in it and the Frankenstein mask. So this movie does the same thing. You know, I, I thought the satire of the gremlins buying and selling stocks like crazy <laughs> was pretty on point given the current condition of our own stock market. Uh, is that like the basis for Wolf of Wall Street? Is just that scene? Yeah. <laughs> well, you did see the one gremlin pounding its chest, right? <laughs> bye, Sal. Bye, Sal. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs> What's he? We're advising our clients to put everything they have into canned food and shotguns. Also seems like modern day advice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What'd you think of Flasher Gremlin? Oh, he's so dirty. That's, that's <laughs> nasty. I love it, though. <laughs> Where's the idea of like, why are all Flashers wearing tan trench coats? Mm-hmm. You never see a Flasher in like a dark trench coat or anything. Right. Also, why are they all wearing trench coats? How else, what else would you wear to flash someone? You could wear pajamas with that little butthole and then wear them backwards don't, so that, like, you have the butt flap and you just Sean, don't say the drop. phrase little butthole. <laughs> the butt flap. Yes, butt flap is much better. Uh, yeah, that probably oh. works better, huh? Um, let's see. Dad covers the one in in concrete, and it gargoyles itself. Um, did you know? 
Did you notice that the church that they're seeing is the the Cathedral of St. Eva Marie? No, and I don't get that joke even now that you say it. Eva Marie Saint was an actress. That's funny. Yeah. I really like this bit with the film snap and break. I've never been in a movie theater where this happened, Mm -hmm. where there was like a technical difficulty or anything. I do like to imagine those first audiences, you know, freaking out or yelling or whatever at the projector. And then when those little shadows pop up, people probably lost their freaking minds. (laughs) The, uh, so this is yet another one that I read the book of, and this one was uh, uh, the novelization. In the book, <laughs> the writer of the book gets kidnapped by gremlins and pulled away from his typewriter, and they start writing the book. That's so good. Yeah, it's the it is That's the so best. Good. It's the best part of it. I love that the gremlins put on like weird porn. And the mom walks out into the theater and calls the manager, this is worse than the first one. (laughs) (laughs) We don't make the movies, ma'am. We just show them. (laughs) And then we get the Hulkster, huh? Yelling at the gremlins to knock it off and put the movie back on. Oh my gosh. This is a little of its time, huh? This is probably my, my favorite Hulk Hogan performance. I mean, there's not many to choose from, are there? Oh, I mean, all of those WWF performances that he gave. What's he was a nanny, right? In one of them. Oh yeah, Mister Nanny, something Nanny, something like that. Yeah. Some ripoff of Mister Mom. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Christopher Lee gets killed by a gremlin that becomes pure of electricity. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> right after that, there's a, gl- a gremlin shooting an assault rifle, which I just think is adorable. And, and then when the gremlin, the new one that drinks the spider juice, there's like some heavy thrash metal playing during that part, which is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, electricity gremlin disappears into the phone screen, which I thought was cool. I thought it was especially funny that the hold music was raindrops keep falling on my head, <laughs> which would in theory make electricity gremlin lose his fucking mind. Uh, I mean, is that just foreshadowing? I just think it's just a funny touch of like gremlins getting wet. It could be towards the end of this movie, a little foreshadowing yeah. though. Yeah. Um, is this where? Oh, it's Bill, sneaky Bill. He wants to move the clocks so that way all the gremlins yes. will want to go outside. What time does Bill want to make this plan happen? Four twenty. Fucking Bill, <laughs> fucking pothead. Uh, is this where his boss gets trapped in the in the spider web? Um, yeah, it's around here somewhere. Yeah, and she's. She's really not too bothered by it. It's like an inconvenience <laughs> to her. No. And the same with like Bill's dis, um, denial of her advances. Doesn't seem bothered by it. When Phoebe Cates confronts her, doesn't seem too bothered by it. No. <laughs> Nothing seems to phase this woman, really. Um, we, we haven't mentioned the horny lady gremlin. 
horny <laughs> horny lady gremlin makes a late appearance into this movie uh-huh. and kind of steals the show <laughs> what'd you think of gizmo getting ready for battle by watching rambo and then hitting a speed bag from rocky like a very sylvester stallone heavy movie here at the end uh, my favorite bit is when he lifts up the dumbbell uh and falls through the floor because the dumbbell is so heavy <laughs> a classic gag yes uh well and then mr clamp comes out of the floor in the weirdest elevator i've seen in a while uh and and i feel like normally escape things like this are done to be subtle and to get you out of somewhere, not being noticed. Yes. But this man is rising out of a pod, out of the sidewalk in the New York street, next to the press. <laughs> Which, the the only person who has the inside scoop is Grandpa Fred. Robert, Robert Prosky is... Prosky, yeah. Uh, transmitting from inside the building, and his whole backstory is he got sidelined into being a horror host because he wanted to be a reporter his whole life like that's a his story is kind of sweet here it at is. the end isn't it's it it's really good yeah it's a little heartwarming and i think his performance he he just comes across as such like a sweet nice guy in this corporate world where he's a burned out horror tv host he would probably in real life be treating his producers like shit yeah but the fact that he's being so nice to this random designer uh speaks a lot about him the uh it's also why he's so good in thief because robert prosky inherently just comes across as kind of like a very nice old uncle or something like this old man you would just want to hang out with him Mm -hmm. and then in thief they turn that on you um futterman uh, uses the escape hatch to sneak into the building to kick some gremlin ass He's he's ready yeah. to take it to the gremlins this time. So and this is this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna ask. First of all, the building itself gets trashed by the end of this movie, but also the set had to be trashed by the end of this movie. You get the gremlins in the bar just throwing shit, like breaking bottles everywhere, and like sloshing their beer around and throwing. How do you have all these puppeteers working all these things, and then you got all this mess going around? How do you... How? Just how? I don't understand. The whole bar sequence logistically makes no sense. I don't know how they pulled this off to have seemingly, I don't know, 35 gremlins on screen. And if you look at them, they're each, like, moving around, doing their own thing, and not just... Not just like basic, like a gremlin on a broomstick, but each one seems to be somewhat articulated and and animated. And I don't know, there's toilet paper flying across the room. It's later on when they're singing New York, New York. (laughs) I love that with all the confetti flying around and all the gremlins singing. It just, it really made me happy to be in this bar with all these maniacs. The uh, uh, we didn't yeah go ahead. didn't talk about what the actual plan is, which they're going to somehow 
convince the gremlins that it's nighttime by moving by changing the clocks and dropping the dropping the curtain yes over the windows to cover the sunlight it's such a like for such a silly movie it's a great silly plan i love it it works it's simple it's easy to understand it's yeah i i like it gizmo goes full rambo with the flaming arrow <laughs> to kill the spider <laughs> What the hell does Phoebe Cates fear of Abraham Lincoln because of a birthday and a man in Abraham Lincoln costume walking? What? What happened there? So, do you remember the in the first movie, she has a monologue about why she hates Christmas? No. Okay. It's this heartbreaking monologue about the fact that uh, her dad was trying to make them have a, a magical Christmas and he got stuck in the chimney and died. it is by far the darkest thing in the movie and that's a movie where a bunch of little uh gremlins kill an old lady by shooting her her uh stair chair off into space (laughs) i guess i need to rewatch gremlins yeah it's a great dark touch and so that's when she's doing her monologue here and uh, they start ushering her away, like out of the scene as it's happening. Oh my god, that cracked me up. <laughs> the militant gremlins want to take down the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> apparently, is their plan. Uh, I, uh, one of the, Another great gag is uh, the gremlins playing with Grandpa Fred's little dragon puppet, and one takes a photo of it and says, Say cheese. And when the flash goes oh. off, the gremlin gets vaporized. Yes. <laughs> Just turns to bones. Um, Phantom of Opera, Phantom of the mm-hmm. Opera, Gremlin, uh, Wizard, uh, and then the Witcher. The oh, fuck, the Witch of Oz, the Wizard of Oz witch also is in this. The the googly eyed gremlin playing dentist on Billy. Uh, and then Mr. Futterman comes in and saves him. That one, that's a horrifying moment because he's got a drill and he's going to drill Billy's teeth. And that made my teeth want to crawl back into my mouth. Not that they were out, but... <laughs> I was going to ask, where were they? <laughs> they wanted to get Did away. Did you see a cure for wellness? No. Why has that movie been coming up a lot recently? I don't know, but leave your teeth at home and then don't watch it because it's a shitty movie. Okay. But there, there's a tooth scene in it. So, uh, the plan is to spray them all down with water and then release the uh, the electricity gremlin throughout the crowd. And that works really well. Murray sprays them down with the fire hose, and they all zap. They turn into puddles of green goo. One of them is the Wizard of Oz witch saying, I'm melting, I'm melting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grandpa Fred says something like, I can't describe what the puddles look like on TV for the it would be like too too obscene to describe the scene. <laughs> Mr. Clamp putting on SWAT team gear <laughs> and, and joining the SWAT team. And then they're all going hut 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 and then Clamp goes charge and immediately eats shit. Mm-hmm. It's gold. 
I don't know why this guy is a protagonist when he should clearly be an antagonist, but I'm very happy that he's not. And he turns out to be a real sweetie when he sees uh, Billy's drawing of, oh, whatever the name of his hometown was. Whatever that preposterous looking hometown, which looks like it's an advert from a, a water slide park. A water slide park? It it looks like there's like a lazy river going around Billy's hometown in like a bunch of bungalows. It does not look like a residential area at all. Maybe I'm seeing things. <laughs> <laughs> like that man who drank too much booze and had to wipe his eyes away when he saw the thing you mentioned. <laughs> One of those. Oh, my note is what's Marla from, and I don't know who Marla is. Isn't isn't that the boss? Uh, probably. And she uh, immediately catches uh, Mr. Clamp's eye, even though he's seen her before. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, she was in Home Alone 3. God, that movie sucked. Never saw it. It's bad. Oh, she was a Broadway actress who currently works in real estate. Good for her. Good for her. And then, um... So we're gonna close out with that one guy from The Office still being locked in a room with (laughs) the Gremlin Bride. And, um... She seems to have broken down his barriers because he doesn't seem to have any resistance left. And now he kind of seems like he might be into it. I mean, he's he's covered in lipstick marks. Which would mean that she has to keep reapplying lipstick in between those kisses at a certain point. I have a thing about lipstick. I don't like it. It creeps me out. When I was a kid, I think it all starts from... I always had to wipe kisses off my cheek from people. And it, it, it didn't, I didn't want the cooties there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's also the, like, the terror of dread of like having lipstick on my face. And I, my, my grandma used to come over. And then in the morning, I'd wake up. And I'd go to have my daily instant breakfast. So I'd get out my cup for my milk and my chocolate powder. And sometimes I'd make it, and then I'd take a, I'd go to take a sip, and there'd be lipstick stain on the rim of the glass, mm-hmm. and I'd get so mad and grossed out. I'm like, who does this lady think she is coming into our house staining our glasses with her lipstick? <laughs> so, and it remains to this day. So, um, yeah. In the few times that I've been in relationships with women, it's always... I'm very happy in the times when we're dressed down, and then when we go somewhere formal and we dress up and they wear lipstick, I'm slightly scared the whole night. <laughs> That's, uh, you don't want to turn out like Robert Picardo in this movie, huh? Well, he seems happy. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. He's, he's kind of into it, it by, the, by the end of this thing. 
I don't know what he's going to tell people when he walks out of that place. Also, uh, that means there's still a gremlin alive. Yeah. There's still a gremlin, and it might be the first gremlin to ever be pregnant with a human baby. (laughs) (laughs) And then we can make a movie about it with Adrian Brody and Sarah Polly. That's a splice joke for you guys who don't get it. That does it, huh? I feel like we're done. I think that's the movie. (laughs) I feel like we're pretty much taxed. Yeah. It's a four and a half, huh? (laughs) This is a pretty cut and clear four and a half for me. I love this movie. Yeah, this is is a solid movie. It's, uh, I think my final note was... A lot of movies from when I was a kid don't hold up, but this one sure as hell does. Hell yeah. I, this is what I want sequels to be. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could apply, if you could look at this framework of this movie and then, and then apply it to something like, you know, Top Gun Maverick, an, another sequel that everyone raves about and says is so incredible and see what these two both share in common with each other. Um, probably the amount of gremlins. They both have a lot of gremlins on them. Little Tom Cruise grimming <laughs> around. Uh, they both open with a animated logo with Daffy Duck. I don't know. What do we want to talk about next time? Oh my gosh, we hadn't even talked about what we're going to talk about. Yeah. We never include this in the episode. It's because we never talk about this in person. <laughs> we always do this over text. Uh, Let's try it. I'm going to sort by horror. Have you seen... Hmm, I, I still want to watch Kill List, but I don't know. Did you see Kill List? I have seen, Wheatley movie? I have seen Kill List. Dang. Now I gotta check my plex. I don't know. Do you have any ideas? I mean, um, not really. I've got some. I've got some things on my Hooptober list that I would like to cross off. That'd be a good two for one. That's true. That's a good idea. I mean, look at that. Uh, Possum is on my list. Ooh, I've never seen it. I haven't either. I've got it. Well, what's on your list? I'd be happy to watch Possum, just a blind viewing. Have you seen The Town That Dreaded Sundown? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. Wow. (laughs) That that was a... (laughs) Makes me not want to watch it now. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, I think I only saw the remake. Oh, okay. Uh, what about Event Horizon? Yeah, it's, it's that good. I think that'd be a, a fun one to talk about, right? Yet another uh, probably. It's uh, Sam Neill doing another like Lovecrafty kind of thing, right? Oh yes, Saint Satan's slaves. 
Deep Blue Sea, The Dead Zone. Ugh. Bad movies. <laughs> the House That Screamed? I've got a lot of 70s stuff on here. You want to know a, a briefly what Possum is? Maybe it'll help you choose a different movie. Okay. Possum is a disgraced children's puppeteer returns to his childhood home and is forced to confront his wicked stepfather and the secrets that have tortured him his entire life. Huh. Have you... You have not, apparently. Have you seen... I have not what? 1977's House? Uh, no, I think that's on my list. Is it? Yeah. Because that's a great movie. Let's do it. I've meant to watch it. Okay. Okay, so you heard it here first, listeners. We're going to be talking about 2018's Possum and 1977's House for our next episode. Maybe we'll do one more episode of Spookies. That would like it would still be November, but I don't know. I feel like we haven't had enough spooky movies. So absolutely. And then um, probably a few holiday movies towards the end of November, December. Yeah, we'll have to find. We did kind of the the obvious ones last year, I think. Yeah, we'll have to figure it out. Maybe we'll go with like a Thanksgiving feast theme, and just have movies about eating. Why am I saying that I hate movies about eating? Because there's gross mouth noises in them. Why am I doing this to myself? Thank God I can't hear that right now. But I'm going to be really annoyed when I go to. Yeah, edit it's going to be in the edit. Oh God. Um, yeah, that'll do it. You want to send us off? Thank you, listeners. As always, uh, treat yourselves kindly. Treat each other kindly. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Goodbye.